Hey, Real Nerds. There's many ways to enjoy the Real Nerds podcast. You can listen to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and now Spotify and iHeartRadio. You can see what we're up to around town by following us at Real Nerds on Instagram. And if you want to send us your thoughts, you can email us at realnerds at gmail.com or call us at 720-6NERDS5. Like us on Facebook at Real Nerds Podcast or tweet us at Real Nerds. And now on with the show. Here we go again, it's our film explosion. A movie countdown of real devotion. It could get long, so bring your ibuprofen. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. What's got the best acting? What's got the best direction? The cream of the crop, here's our selection. From comedy to drama, even exploitation. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion! Film explosion! Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of 2021's Pop Culture Con in Denver. I am Ryan. In studio with me is... Brad. And... Corinne. And Skyping in from New York is... Henry. And Skyping in from Greenwood Village, the whitest place in Colorado. <laughs> Zach. <laughs> Whiter than Cherry Creek? Oh, they're probably Pine comparable. Bridge. Don't they kind of border each other? I mean, yeah, I mean there is much. a little bit of a gap. Yeah, but... just just barely, but we do, yeah. That's, yep. that's an astute observation. So so what's considered the bad side of town? Is it Greenwood Village or Cherry Creek? Um, well, I'm technically... I, I mean, I guess it would probably be Greenwood Village, because that extends further out um, west, I want to say. So, but yeah, you know, pretty white. (laughs) Every week on Real Nerds Podcast, we see a new movie and podcast our experience to the world. Unless it's been 17 weeks of a pandemic, and we don't do that. Um, But we still are continuing our tradition of doing Film Explosion episodes. This week, we're doing Film Explosion year 2000, a year after I graduated high school. Uh, The year I graduated high school. So yeah, so me and Brad are old as fuck. Um, Everybody else here is like... 12 we're pretty much dead yeah just i was nine <laughs> I, I was also nine in the year 2000 henry what year were you born uh i was born somewhere in the 1970s no oh, 1970s henry oh, wow yeah so the 2000s were just a really big turning point for you in the movie going experience i would say so yeah <laughs> I remember 2000 being a time of bullet time. Yes. And pre 9 11. <laughs> yes. Oh, simpler times. Yeah. When you could destroy the World Trade Center in movies. And... <laughs> when you could see the World Trade Center in movies. <laughs> yeah. Actually, do you get depressed when you see. I kind of get depressed when I see World Trade Center. Not really. No. I like, mean, it's usually. It's definitely a little awkward. Yeah, because I mean, I watch Friends and they use a lot of establishing shots of New York and the Trade Center is always in it. Well, the opening shot of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie is. Yep. <laughs> The World Trade Center. Oh, man. Yeah. Sad times. Anyways, if you've never listened to a film explosion, uh, we each have our 10 favorite films of the year. Um, Brad has randomly selected people, not really, um, to go in order on here. And Brad has provided us with a Blu-ray. Based on the most efficient way to get through these. Um, 
except for a couple spots where I just couldn't make it line up. Uh, James is not here but this time. But he provided audio, correct? Yeah, he called in. Uh, so why don't we, uh, why don't we uh, play his little intro? Hey, guys. So sorry that I couldn't make it this week. You know, we had all sort of scheduled this thing, and then uh, I just absolutely had to get the family out of the house for the weekend. So uh, schedules just sort of changed. My apologies. Um, this was a, a really tough year, 2000, um, but I'm really excited to to go through it with you guys. Uh, it's going to be a weird one for sure. Yeah, way to be a letdown, James. Yeah, fucking asshole. Only calling in. Yeah. It is good to hear his voice though, because I don't I don't think I've seen James since. Well, I mean, I guess he was on a Zoom call with us. Yeah. So, but like in person. Yeah. Like I think it was maybe three film explosions ago. Yeah. Yeah, I think like film explosion twenty nineteen. Yep. Yeah. Oh, actually, yeah, no, right. he was here for the nineteen eighty one. So. Yeah, he was. We did that in the basement right before the pandemic yeah. started. So yeah. So yeah. And we've got. Two more for we got 2010 coming up in October, and then and I mean, I mean 2020 is list. Everyone's going to have the same ten movies, so it should be a really quick yeah film explosion. It's the shortest film explosion we've ever done. Do well, all, I don't know. I, I just I go keep, out the door at that point. What's that? Do all rules for film explosion 2020 just go <laughs> out the door at that point? I think there's enough movies. I mean, and I did get another email from Regal. They're definitely opening on the 21st. So right on. So hopefully, you know, we'll we'll on the 21st. Our hopefully our movie of the week will be unhinged with Russell Crowe. Guys, he's in a car and he's unhinged. Oh no. Are the car doors unhinged? <laughs> they yes, won't they, be they, by the end. They fall off. He just opens doors. That's the premise of the movie. He opens doors and they become unhinged. unhinged. <laughs> I don't trust Russell Crowe with cars or telephones. So... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, guys, that happened. I have a feeling Russell Crowe might show up on this film explosion. This was his this was his big break year, I believe. Yeah, he got an Oscar for Maximus, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he had broken with L.A. Confidential, but this is like his superstardom phase. Yeah, I mean, he was in L.A. Confidential, but I mean, <laughs> was he the star? <laughs> yes. Um, so, anyways, Brad. Yep, I'm first uh, up in the rotation. Yeah, so what we're going to do is um, Brad will say, and my number 10 film is, we'll play the trailer, then if for some reason the trailer doesn't give it away, Brad will reintroduce the movie and tell us why it's his number 10 film. So, Brad? And I keep forgetting, uh, James' mom a long time ago asked us to reiterate the name of the movie after our review so that, you know, if yep. you if you passed out and weren't paying attention to what people were talking about. I, I think it's more for the people that ramble, Zach yeah. and Corinne. And, hey. uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So also, just, by the way, the order is Brad, Ryan, Henry, Zach, me, and then James. Yep. And of course, each time James comes up, we'll play a little audio clip from him. Cool. So um, start that X-Men themed Blu-ray. Right. Um, very, very timely, Brad, with your X-Men theme. <laughs> I love it. I know. Uh, in 2000, this was a it was a well-respected uh, movie. Uh, yeah. And now, uh, I mean, I still think it's a good movie. It's unfortunate that one of the people... <laughs> at the top of the uh, uh, making a, of it uh, has been disgraced. So you know the only thing that's interesting about that because I read the article on the Hollywood Reporter is how many people enabled him for so long. Well, that's what happens when you're like surrounded by money. It's like yeah, you kind of just go with atrocities. And I actually thought it was interesting that he came back and did two more X Men's after Hugh Jackman basically walked in and X Two is like, listen, Bub, you don't do this the right way. We're gonna go outside. Shink. <laughs> <laughs> and he did. Two other great X Men movies. Yeah. So, 
what not so great. Or, or did he? <laughs> um, there's did he there's a lot of apocalypse. Did he do three more? Well, he he did he did, but there's a big like rumor that he was always offset, so his assistant director really directed the movies. Yeah. But yeah, it was Days of Future Past and Apocalypse, and then Kinberg did Dark Phoenix. So yeah, uh, my number ten. Uh, I remember seeing the trailer for it, and me and my friend Roger were like, "Cool, like a slasher movie. Let's go see this thing." And it was not that. <laughs> and you know, I hadn't seen a lot of art house films at that time, so when I left the movie, I wasn't sure how to process it. And luckily, now that I you know my understanding of movies is more nuanced. I appreciate this a lot more. So Ryan, go ahead and play this trailer. New card. What do you think? Very nice. Patrick, this is sweet. Jean. Yes, Patrick. Would you like to accompany me to dinner? Sabrina, why don't you dance a little? Christy. Get down on your knees. We're not through yet. That's a wonderful suit. It looks so soft. I don't think I can control myself. If you stay, something bad will happen. I feel lethal on the verge of frenzy. I think my mask of sanity is about to slip. Do you have any witnesses or fingerprints? Actually, yes. Hmm. You're inhuman. I know my uh, behavior can be erratic sometimes. Hey, Paul! So, what do you do? I'm into, uh, well, murders and executions mostly. I have all the characteristics of a human being, but not a single clear, identifiable emotion. I simply am not there. I, uh... <laughs> I just had to kill a lot of people! Yeah, so my number 10 is American Psycho. That's my number 10. Right on. Um, we have good taste. Yeah, we do. Hey, I, this is a back-to-back film explosion. Our number 10s have been the same. Yeah, it has. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know about you, Brad. Uh, you really have to watch the movie to get it because that trailer is awful. Yeah, that that's it's it makes it way more commercial than it really is of a yeah. movie. Um, and it's, it's very ambiguous in its um, depiction of what's happening. Um, in it, Christian Bell stars as Patrick Bateman, who is this Wall Street kind of sleazebag. Yeah, sleazebag, yuppie white guy, and he's with his other yuppie white guys. And I mean, there's literally a five minute scene about how they each have different business cards and how they and eat. they're not all that different. No, that's just different colors of white. Yeah, like one's bone white and one's like eggshell white or something. Yeah, and that's like different paper fibers. Yeah. yeah, and it's five minutes about them talking about it. Um, but yeah, as like part of the struggle with doing my film Solution 2000 list was a balance of 
um, what did I, you know, what's actually good and what did I appreciate more from like a, as a kid in 2000. Um, so yeah, going to this movie as a kid in 2000, oh, I was yeah. thinking like a Friday the 13th Jason slasher movie, right? And then no, it's way more cerebral. It's an indictment of 80s yuppie culture mm-hmm. um, in this like horror lens, like just how yeah. psychotic these people are, like these business people are. And I haven't watched in a while. And in the end, um, Patrick Bateman didn't kill anybody, right? It was all in his head. I think that's the idea is you don't really know. Yeah. Because I, I think if they set it up, it can go either way. Yeah. But he really didn't. It's because, remember, he goes to the apartment. It's not really his apartment. Didn't Jared Leto show up at the end? Like, yeah, he was like, why is this guy still alive? Yeah, I killed him? It's yeah. really bizarre. But that's my favorite scene in the movie is uh, when he kills Jared Leto. And he's talking about Huey Lewis in the news. <laughs> and uh, and as a Huey Lewis in the news fan, I was like, another, like that was another draw for the movie. Like, oh, yeah. cool. Like, he's killing to that soundtrack. But it's definitely different. Uh, I didn't appreciate it. The first time I saw it, I was like, yeah, I didn't appreciate it. But as I started watching it and it grew on me and then uh, Laura, my wife, really wanted to see it. And I said, oh, you want to see American Psycho? I said, all right. So I put it in. I go, I love this movie. And uh, my friend Brandon, uh, we would quote the movie constantly because people would always seize Brandon about being really vain. And so he's basically Patrick Bateman in our circle of uh, friends. And he would quote it all the time and uh so another reason why i love the movie yeah, every time uh brandon would like try to get out of something he'd be like i have to return some videotapes <laughs> yep he would <laughs> and uh it's yeah so it's fun yeah it's a different movie it's definitely not for everybody um but i appreciate it a lot more now than when i first saw it and all the people like that i didn't think were stars like back then or like famous now like willem dafoe jared leto's in it yeah. uh reese witherspoon's in it um yeah yeah, each other familiar faces, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's good. Check it out. Yeah, um, Henry, you're next up. Ooh, well, uh, my number ten in a very similar vein to uh, American Psycho is a like thriller horror esque type film, but made in a very art house way. And uh, my film is this for number ten. What's the worst thing that can happen? What's the worst scenario? It's gonna come here. Ask me. I'm gonna say no. Do the job. No, Don. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. I can't. You can. I can't. Don't do this. Do what? What am I doing? This. This? This what? I know a bloke who knows a bloke who knows a bloke. Now, you know this bloke. Do what? This is a bloke you know wants me to put a team together. Eight men. Strong. Good boys. Gotta be good boys. Look dumb. Look dumb? It's like this. Like what? I'd be useless. Useless? I would be. In what way? In every fucking way. Why are you swearing? I'm not swearing. You think you just make your dance, leave the table, lie on your pool like a fat blob laughing at me? Do you think I'm gonna have that? Do it. I'm retired. Do you think I'm stupid? Some twat! I'm not really up to it. Is your middle name ungrateful or what? I'm retired. Are you gonna do the job? It's not a difficult question. Yes or no? Say it. 
seek out where there's a will. And there is a will. There's a way. There's always a way. Does Ian McShane uh, say, you motherfucking cocksucker in it? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, my uh, number 10 film is uh, Sexy Beast, which is a uh, gangster film about a retired uh, safe cracker who is basically forced by a psychotic Ben Kingsley to go to rob Ian McShane. Uh, I don't know if I fully understand this film, because it's one of those things where you start watching it, and for the first hour you're like, I get it. And then the second hour happens, and you're like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> so I, ha- uh, in a very I, I have to glazer way. Is um, a sexy beast the werewolf <laughs> that's randomly in the trailer? Well, <laughs> again, I don't know if I fully understand this. <laughs> film. Um, so. The werewolf is a metaphor for the gang's uh, insatiable appetite for destroying man. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. <laughs> or it's just like, a that, really that hairy guy. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I kind of... Rec- it's one of those films where, like, even though I don't fully understand this film, I recommend it to everyone because it's just a fucking ride of a fucking film. Uh, you know, honestly, the trailer all- sold me on it. Oh, yeah. No, it's like it's a fun film. It's just, like, you might walk away being like, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> and so... Uh, but yeah, if you, I mean, British gangster films are always kind of out there, and this is an out there British gangster film, so if you want to just kind of like fucking lay back and just be like, I don't know what's going to happen, but let's see these three guys just fuck each other over, and then maybe also fuck each other. And so, <laughs> and then that's, uh, that's my number 10 film, Sexy Beast. Oh, that, that, that's where the sexy beast comes from. Love it. Um, Zach, you're next with your number 10 film. All right, my number 10 film is one of the films that kind of inspired me to do the Clint Eastwood filmography thing years back. Um, And uh, it's also sort of a ringer because it's not so much an amazing movie, but it was the first Clint Eastwood movie I ever saw in a theater. Uh, And here it is. Once upon a time, four of the best pilots in the U.S. Air Force trained to fly into space. That's where we're going. And they flew at the speed of sound to the very top of the sky. They were destined to be the first. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like you to meet the first American to cross into outer space. But our country had other plans. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Eleven days ago, atmospheric tracking determined that Russian satellite Icon will re-enter the Earth's atmosphere in 30 days. Now. The guidance system on this thing is a dinosaur. The only men for the job. Is there anyone still alive who can fix this thing? Are the boys. I can't fill up a space shuttle with geriatrics. Clock's ticking, Bob, and I'm only getting older. NASA wants to send us into space. (laughs) I told them I'd only do it if the original team did the job. (laughs) I'm gonna need to pray about this. Why the hell not? You and your entire crew will have to meet the exact physical requirements as any other astronaut here. Go! These men are the pioneers of this business. Oh, damn teeth, Grim. Damn, Jerry. They were around when rockets were born. Stick to their protocol, will you, Hawk? My kill! Uh. Sock it to them. 
I have never met a kid who didn't dream of being an astronaut when he grew up. You ever met a kid that wouldn't grow up? Thank you, God. Welcome to space, Frank. You'd get a load of this. General, just what sort of modifications have your people made here? I'm not getting this crew killed, you included. You miss, you're never gonna make it back to the ship. You know, I thought this was gonna be hard. Alright, so my number 10 is Space Cowboys. Um, Clint Eastwood's uh, 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 old guys uh, proving they still got what it takes movie set in space. Uh, although the majority of this movie does take place on them training on the space station and proving to the younger astronauts that they can uh, be as badass as uh, the younger younger bucks. Um, it's the the basic plot is is that they developed a satellite in the fifties like, over the course of the years the fifties sixties that the Russians got a hold of somehow and it's going to uh, throw off course this satellite and it's going to cro- cause a huge disaster. So they've got to go up and fix it because. Only these old guys know how to fix this old technology, you see, because uh, these young kids today don't understand old programming. And, and yeah, it, it's, it's not, it doesn't work entirely when you consider all the logic points, but it's still a fun geezer exploitation movie of which I'm, you know, tend to, tr- tend to tread towards. Um, and I like the cast in the movie. Um, James Garner is probably the least utilized in the movie, oddly enough. Um, which kind of sucks, but I love Donald Sutherland's like weird Lothario persona in the movie, and uh, Tommy Lee Jones is good in it, um, and Clint's fine. I mean, I think Clint's Clint's doing his very similar like gruff with an attitude uh, motif, but it's fine here. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just a fun movie. It's not of any actual substance, um, but it was one of those ones when I was doing the Clint Eastwood filmography where I was like, man, this is this is a lot of fun. It's not great. But it's a lot of fun. So, um, so yeah. Um, I, uh, and this was the first one I saw in the theaters because I think the song, that in sync song that plays for a second in the movie, was used all over the marketing for this movie. And my sister and I must have got excited because my dad took us to this movie. And when I saw it in the theater, I, I remember being bored. As I got into it later on down the line, I was like, oh, this is actually a lot more fun than I probably would have remembered. So... Anyway, yeah, number 10, Space Cowboys, Y-I-I-B-I-A. I thought it was a weird choice for Clint Eastwood to do a piano cover of the song at the end of the credits. But, <laughs> but <laughs> No, no, Henry, it has an even better ending. It, you know, you see, they, they pan up to the fact that Tommy Lee Jones was left on the moon, and then they play the song Fly Me to the Moon by Frank Sinatra. Did you see how genius that is? Do you get it? Do you get it? <laughs> Zach, you do know that Clint Eastwood actually has albums, right? I know he does. <laughs> I found this out because I was messing around online one time, and I put in Hollywood actors who have released studio albums because I have Robert Downey Jr.'s, and I found out that Bruce Willis has one called Bruno Strikes Back. Just now? So does yeah. Hugh Laurie. I didn't know it was a whole album. I knew he had like the video, mm. but he has like two or three albums. Yeah, and there's one like called The Return of Bruno for Bruce Willis. But yeah, no, Clint Eastwood's got stuff. He plays music. He does he does piano very well. Like he's not terrible at it. It's when he's uh singing along to it is when the issue arises. <laughs> um uh but uh no, he's 
he's a trained musician. He did the score for a John Cusack movie where that's all he did was just the score. He didn't had nothing to do with the production of the film outside of that. Um, I think it's called Grace is Gone. Um, but yeah. And an NSYNC cover. Oof. God. It's a song. <laughs> Corinne, you're up. All right. My number 10 is... I don't know. I think like it could have been higher on my list because it deals with a really heavy subject matter in a way that I think is appropriate for the targeted audience. But the production value is really low. So I think it's kind of the perfect ringer. But um, it will be a nice bookend later in the film explosion. But here is my number 10. Ever meet someone so different from you, you couldn't imagine ever being friends? Mariba. Yes. The exchange student from Dundee, South Africa. You're the family. Disney Channel presents a story about two kids from two different worlds who beat the odds. Do you have any black friends at home, Mari? They formed a friendship. I'm glad I stayed. Until prejudice threatened to tear them apart. Pack your things. You won't be coming back. Watch The Color of Friendship, Disney Channel's Emmy Award-winning original movie, Monday at 8, 7 central. So my number 10 is the Disney Channel original movie, The Color of Friendship. And I talked about this earlier in the year after I rewatched it on Disney+. Plus. And I think that this is a, a very well done movie in terms of addressing the race topic and, you know, trying to show different perspectives on the issue. And it's actually aged really well considering it's 20 years old and you, it and it just shows a lot of the same issues that it's set in the I think the 70s or 80s I think it's the 70s but it's like they're still dealing with like police brutality and um you know race controversy and things like that and it's like it's sad that we're still dealing with those things today but on the other hand this is a movie targeted to kids and it's specifically trying to teach kids about these things about censorship, about, you know, different perspectives. Just because, you know, you're white and you were raised in this environment, does that mean that you can't change? No, obviously you can change. You can have a better perspective on things. So, yeah, color of friendship. You know, I don't know that if I... Ryan uti- totally dismissed. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I don't think I utilized Disney+, Plus because I had no idea that movie would be on Disney+. Plus. I'm like, oh, a here's, lot a, of the old Disney here's a documentary about Frank and Ollie. There. Here's a documentary about Imagineering. Oh, here's a Marvel movie. Oh, Spider-Man cartoons. Like you could, <laughs> my list is, we think you might like, and it's just a bunch of like Marvel cartoons. Go, How old am I? Yeah. Well, I think you would probably be too old for the Disney Channel original movies of my era. Um, I've rewatched a lot of them in you recent know, weeks. Honestly, and I'm not trying to be mean. I can't, uh, TV movies I have a really hard time getting into because production values and the stilted acting and the direction of them really bother me. But, uh, but I, I, I mean, I, I never knock somebody if they like it. I mean, I haven't seen it, so I can't judge it. I can only judge it on the 30 second TV commercial that Brad was able to find. <laughs> I, I remember it as one of many that my sister and I sat down with, but I think we ended up rewatching more or less Xenon because that was her favorite one. So Henry, I know you've researched the decoms for your chewing the yeah, scenery. Yeah, I'm trying to look the exact statistics up right now, of because I remember this being like an okay one and close to the top of most diverse, but I can't remember exactly. And so I'll let you know if I can find it. 
Well, I'm just, have you seen the movie or did you just research it? Oh, yeah, of course I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you uh, think? Anything that was, like, somewhat diverse, I tried to watch to make sure. And so, like, uh, but yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's a decom, so, like, you get what you pay for, but uh, it's fine. So, yeah, so, James, tell us about your number 10. Awesome. Uh, so, my number 10 uh is gonna kick things off and i i want to explain a little bit about my list first because this year there's just so many amazing movies i mean this is really one of the most packed and and packed in a good way years that i think we've ever done um and so there were so many films on here that that when i put together my my list of just in letterbox i i start off by just listing out like every movie that is just of note and sometimes they're of note because they're really bad, like Dragonheart, A New Beginning. Um, and sometimes they're just like, well, okay, I mean, that's a movie that I've seen and is fun and would watch on TV, like Miss Congeniality. All that stuff gets thrown on the list. And that list, when I was done, was 56 movies long. <laughs> so to try and get that down to 10 was particularly difficult. So to try and get that down to 10 was really, really hard. So what I decided to do was kind of throw more ringers in the mix than I usually do. Um, so anybody who's listened to these episodes before knows that my number 10 is usually a movie that maybe it doesn't really deserve to be in the top 10, but I'm throwing it in there because I want to talk about it. Well, this year, that's my 7, 8, 9, and 10. And so there are movies that I didn't put on my list that I know other people are like are going to have on their list that they adore. There are even movies that I love and that I think are probably artistically better or are more important or maybe that I would even watch more often. But these are movies that I think probably wouldn't make it onto anybody's list. And so, and they're movies that I really think are special and that, that are worth checking out um, just to sort of make, uh, you know, my list a little bit different this time. Um, so we're not all just talking about the same 10 movies, honestly. So uh, my number 10 is maybe the most of these. <laughs> uh, my number 10 is a little movie called Titan AE. Uh, yeah, so we don't have the rights to the song in this trailer, so we're going to have Ryan sing it for us. And I'll narrate over it. So there's this guy, and there's like aliens <laughs> shooting at him, and they're in space, and there's lasers flying across the screen, and, and ships ships flying up through glass, and then there's like a spike graveyard. This is the best part. <laughs> and there's a girl with like purple hair, and a bunch of CGI uh, crystalline ships. Uh, looks like Don Bluth animation, but 3D. Um yeah, they're swooping around, shooting more lasers and falling and exploding and more rockets and more panoramas of galaxies and nebulas and more running, more flying. And how long is this Creed song? You're taking me higher, baby. <laughs> Check out our brand new album, Jar of Clay. You know, there was actual narration. We all talked over it. I guess you can't get higher than space. <laughs> That's right. The AE stands for after Earth. Yeah. Because Earth is dead. Yes. It, the, it humans said that are in homeless. the trailer. <laughs> if you paid attention. And they have nowhere to go except <laughs> up. They have nowhere to go but higher. <laughs> yeah. uh, and and here's uh, here's James talking about why this is his number 10 film. 
So Titan AE is an animated movie with Matt Damon and Drew Barrymore. Uh, and it's a sci-fi adventure uh, about a future in which the earth gets blown up by this alien race of uh, like energy beings and human beings escape on spaceships and they're sort of scattered to the wind. They're, they're just all over this, all over the place in the galaxy now. And, and they sort of are, are, are nomads. Um, and in some cases being hunted down and, you know, they're, they're like lesser, they're a lesser species in, in space because they're just, you know, gypsies basically. And um, the, uh, the main character who's played by, by Matt Damon um, ends up getting pulled into this adventure where his dad was involved in a project that maybe can help find a new home for, uh, for humanity. And it, it's an, it's a very different kind. It, I'd say animated wise, it's, it's more in line with like a, like a treasure planet or a, um, uh, a Atlantis, you know, and it's, it's very techy and, and, and it's, I, I think really beautiful to watch just because there's so much stuff going on. Um, but what I really enjoy about it from sort of a, a world building perspective is that it, similar to a, a Star Wars, they just kind of drop you in to the story and there's so much stuff to see and so many things going on that it makes the universe feel a lot bigger. Um, and I think the adventure is really cool. I think it's a really fun movie. Um, is it the best no, like there's some silly stuff or whatever. Um, but I would recommend anybody watch this movie. I, I think it is just absolutely a fun time and something that nobody else was going to talk about for sure. Uh, so yeah, my number 10 was Titan AE. Cool, James. Nice Creed song. <laughs> I remember I, seeing that movie. I, I don't remember much about it. song that's at the it, end but... of Halloween H2O next time we're in town. Yeah. Like, I'd love to hear you do that live. I mean, I, I've seen... Titan AE. I don't remember it though at all. I've never seen it at all. But you know what? That hand-drawn animation is nice to see. Yeah, there's a actually a scene in the trailer where the main character was walking around and they did like a 3D and it looked pretty sharp. Cool. It's got Matt Damon in it, doesn't it? Matt. No idea. Brad, number nine. Uh, Yeah. So my number nine. uh, is my least favorite of these movies, but um, and Shanghai Noon should probably be in this spot. But the memory of high school and my anticipation for it with my friend Adam, um, like that's the memory that puts it at number nine on the list, or even puts it on the list, because uh, we were like listening to the soundtrack and like painting the uh, the uh, theater dressing room walls and everything, like the Matrix uh, code. Um, because we were the seniors now, we could do whatever we want. So we yeah. took over and made it our own. And then we got really like lightheaded because we were using a combination of just <laughs> spray painting the walls and uh, gallon like black paint. And you're paint. in the theater, so no ventilation. And at there's all. no ventilation. It's like in a basement. And we're like, this was a stupid idea. We should not have started this. Um, so anyway, that movie, that memory of that is why this movie is on my list. <laughs> Okay. 
Good morning, Mr. Hunt. Sorry I barged in on your vacation. Well, Mr. Hunt, I don't quite know where to begin. You know? No. Should I? She's got no training for this kind of thing. But to go to bed with a man alive, I mean, she's a woman. She's got all the training she needs. Welcome to Australia, mate. This ain't funny. The mother of all nightmares is on the loose. I don't think I can do it. I mean, it'll be difficult. There. Well, this is not mission difficult, Mr. Hunt. It's mission impossible. Be a walk in the park for you. You gotta be kidding. This message will destruct in five seconds. My number nine is Mission Impossible 2, and um, so if you watch the behind the scenes, John Woo uh, set out to make a love story movie mm. with Mission Impossible, which I guess I can respect, but that's not why I go to watch Mission Impossible. No. Um, uh, the action in this movie is great. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing. But because the story is just uh, Ethan Hunt kind of enamored with this one girl while he's trying to take down like a toxic virus. Mm. uh from the guy who was supposed to play Wolverine in X-Men <laughs> this year. Degree Scott. Degree Scott, yeah. Um, it's really just about the action, and, you know, that's not enough to, for a complete movie. And Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, what's his name? J.J. Abrams kind of did both with Mission Possible 3, so. It is interesting, because I, I, while the trailer's going, um, it's not on my list, and I know it shocked you because I'm a big Tom Cruise fan, but it's not, I, I've always said, Tom Cruise doesn't make bad movies, but the movie is just, okay yeah um but there are some great moments in it and you're right you mentioned mission impossible 3 um abrams brought in like a love story with his wife but he did it in a way that made it more personal and the film seemed although it was as big in scale it seemed more contained yeah Um, i guess because like yeah the movie starts out like he's either his wife or they're going to get married so, like, the relationship's already there. Mm-hmm. It's established. Oh, before. they're married. Remember, because Mission Impossible 3 has one of the greatest openings ever, where it's just Philip Seymour Hoffman talking about how he's going to kill him. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Been a while. Um, uh, but, yeah, so, like, all that's already established, whereas yeah. in this movie, you know, he meets uh, the girl, and then they have... Andy Newton. Yeah. Uh, you know, a bunch of scenes where they kind of chase each other for a bit, and so, you know... Yeah. Uh, yeah, the action's amazing. Um, yeah, John Woo stylized. Direct, yeah. yeah, John Woo can direct the hell out of like that. driving two motorcycles head on at each other, like from the front wheel, mm-hmm. and uh, Tom Cruise gets the better of him by like kicking the gun out of the sand and it shoots straight up into his <laughs> yeah. hand. And uh, even though the gun's already pointed on Ethan, like he's able to do all that mm-hmm. <laughs> before the bad guy gets the yeah, shot he's off. Superhuman. Um, um, yeah, the Mission Impossible Two has my favorite Easter egg of any DVD of all time. Um, at the 2000 MTV Movie Awards, or maybe it was 2001, Ben Stiller was the host, and so he did Mission Impossible 2, where he was Tom Cruise's stunt double, 
Tom and, Cruise. Yeah, like. but he, he yeah, so it's Tom he's also Tom Cruise, but it's C R O O Z E. And um <laughs> John Woo is in it and he says, "You know, um Tom does all his own stunts, but we make good work of his stunt double." And there's this he's about to get punched. <laughs> John Woo says, "Cut." bring in the other guy and they bring in Ben Stiller and he just keeps on getting punched in the face over. So anyways, it's an Easter egg on the um, DVD. I think on the Blu-ray you can just access it. Um, but it was one of my most favorite Easter eggs because it's a great little bit. And Ben Stiller does an amazing Tom Cruise impression. And just to prove that Tom Cruise is cool, you know, he was on board with it. Yeah. Mission Impossible 2. That's my number nine. Cool. Um, my number nine is a my favorite film from this director. Um, I'm not a big fan of this director. I think he has so many great ideas and a lot of times he gets wrapped up in his own mind that he, um, wants to do so many twists and turns that it kind of hurts his movies. However, if he makes a film where it deals with grief and, um, the burden of being a hero, I think makes a great story. Um, and my number nine film is this. Hi. You're in the emergency room in the Philadelphia City Hospital. I'm gonna ask you some questions. Where were you sitting on the train? Against the window. In the passenger car? Yes. You're certain you were in the passenger car? Yeah. Where are the other passengers? Your train derailed. Took a curve too fast. A second train collided with yours after it derailed. The debris spread over one mile. Why are you looking at me like that? There are two reasons why I'm looking at you like this. One, because it seems you are the only survivor of this train wreck. And two, you don't have a scratch on you. I know what's going through your mind right now. You're searching for meaning in all of this. No one thing. 131 people died so you could finally understand the destiny for which you were born. Are you ready for the truth? Uh, my number nine is M. Night Shyamalan's Unbreakable. And I guess I ruined somebody's list like I did on the last film, Explosion, so I guess I'm the new Zach. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah. Way to go, dickhead. Yeah. So this movie is uh, really great. Um, it tells an interesting story about a guy who is involved in a train crash. He's the only one who survived. And through the course of the film, he learns that he might be a superhero and he can't get hurt. Um, he meets Samuel L. Jackson, who is the opposite of him, who gets broken bones just by falling on the ground. And it just plays out. He's basically he's trying to discover where he is in the world. Um, there is a twist in the film, like all uh, Shyamalan films. I think it's handled really well. I know a lot of people have a problem with the ending because it kind of ends abruptly. Um, I don't think it cuts to like a paragraph explaining. Yeah, like... I don't have the biggest problem with it um, because I think you're, you are told the story 
and that's okay um, because then you can get something like glass where you get an ending where he, it's just garbage um, so I just ignore that glass that happened I, I, I like split so I, I just call it a two film um, experience and um, but you know uh, at waxwork records they have a really sweet glass uh, soundtrack I was always thinking about getting but I'm like no I don't like the movie enough because um, I actually think glass is one of the worst movies from last year but this movie's great. Bruce Willis is great in it. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I guess if you haven't seen it, I won't spoil the film, but uh, it's it's well done. And it's when it was before Shyamalan had his head in the clouds and thought he was the greatest thing ever. So made more intimate films. Yep. Unbreakable. Henry, your number nine. All right. Uh, my number nine uh, is a Japanese film uh, about... Just how shitty kids are. And uh, yeah, that's my number nine film is this. I couldn't. Okay. Uh, all right. Yeah. My number nine is Battle Royale. Uh, it's a Japanese film about in a kind of f- near future where uh, Japan has decided the best way to keep people like at at ease with themselves is they just force one high school class a year on an island and they all of them have to kill each other, but one of them was named the victor. Uh, it kind of it got very popular because of Hunger Games because it's a kind of similar premise. Because kids killing each other and that's about it. Um, but this film's great. It's kind of a comedy in some ways. There's a lot of really funny moments in it. Uh, but it's also hyper-violent and fun that way. There's a good amount of twists and turns. Uh, one of my favorite scenes in it is that it has. It also explores kind of like how like stereotypes of like cliques in high school would react in this environment. Like there's an entire scene where it's like these five teenage girls are in a lighthouse and they saved someone and because they're all jealous and misunderstand each other and not willing to talk to each other they all end up accidentally killing each other uh and it's one of my favorite scenes in the film uh but uh yeah it's great 
I like this film a lot. I, it's my obligatory one foreign film on my list, and so. Uh, but uh, yeah, Battle Royale. If you want like a nice, fun, violent uh, wreck of a time, I check it out. I've not seen the sequels. I don't know what the sequels could possibly be about. But um, yeah, that's what this film is. Just more dead kids. <laughs> um, you know, I forgot to mention at the top of the show. I ordered it off Amazon. Um, and I was going to do it for the show. I, I don't know if any of you watch Conan. Well, you guys are too young. So Conan O'Brien used to be on the Late Late Show with Conan O'Brien. And he used to do this bit with Andy Richter where they'd go, in the year 2000. And then they would just say these bunch of like non sequiturs. And so there was a book and I ordered it on Amazon and it didn't show up. And I was kind of hoping between each one I'd say in the year 2000. And in the year 2000. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm, I always remember this one and I'll say it because I thought of it while we're watching Battle Royale. Um, it's uh, Conan says, uh, in the year 2000, zombies will overtake the earth. And when there's no more people for the zombies to eat, they'll eat dirt. And when there's no more dirt to eat, they all reluctantly go to the Olive Garden. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I, I used to. Because I was in school when Conan O'Brien started in like the early 90s. I used to record it on my VCR every night and watch Conan O'Brien. Um, that's the great thing about YouTube, though. You can go back on YouTube and you should search Conan O'Brien in the year 2000. Um, it's just the predictions for the year 2000. It's brilliant. Anyways, Zach, number nine. My number nine is the most depressing film on my list. So we're getting it out of the way early. Um, it's, uh, it's also my obligatory Spike Lee entry and it's, uh, it's one of his most challenging films. So buckle up for the trailer guys. I want a show that will make headlines. The Huxtables, Cosby, a genius, revolutionary, but we can't go down that road again. The network does not want to see Negroes on television unless they are buffoons. Have you ever thought about just quitting? I have a contract. The only way I get out of that is if I get fired. And that is what I intend to do. I know you are familiar with menstrual shows. Variety shows. Like in Living Color. Right, right, right. That was dope. Man-tan. The new millennium menstrual show. We're going to need a little more money for this. This could be bigger than Friends, Ally McBeal, even my boys Amos and Andy. Yeah. You're putting white actors in blackface? We're using black actors with blacker faces. This fall. Right on, man. Yeah, great show. You won't believe what's coming to your television. Sleepin' Eat and Mantan are lazy and unemployed. Do your stuff. But we are certainly not saying anything about the entire African-American community. What's sweeping the nation? And what's coloring? The way you see the world. Yo, we can't let this injustice go by, man. Not this time, man. You know what I'm saying? Nah, man. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? You notice that everybody white wanna be black. I'm out. I'm racing up. They all act like sound left. When are you gonna come into the light? The light. The light. Your hands are just as bloody as mine. Cousins, I want you all to go to your windows. We talking about revolution. Go to your windows and yell out. I am not going to take it anymore. 
I don't want anything to do with anything black for at least a week. So, uh, my number nine is Bamboozled. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> yeah, no, um, yeah, it's, um, it's a movie that Ma- Spike Lee made in the early 2000s that um, basically covers the, uh, the escapades of a black television writer who tries to get fired from his contract by creating a modern-day minstrel show. And to his astonishment and stunned um, uh, reaction, the, the show is a huge success. The movie is kind of a combination of the producers and a face in the crowd um, in the way it executes it. And then it becomes network a little bit at the end. Um, It's a very tough film to watch. It's very long. And one of the detractors from it from four people is that it was shot in a dual format with early digital digital cameras. And then um, I believe it was either 16 millimeter or 35 millimeter for the minstrel show segments themselves. Um, it's a very dark, dark comedy, um, and it's not watched without you having to take pause and recognize what he's trying to say about the imagery over the history of Hollywood, but also what it was becoming in the 90s as well, and trying to sum it up in his in Spike Lee's way, and only he can. Um, the most um, affecting part of the movie is actually the very end, and it's actually a montage of the history of negative stereotypes that have plagued um, cinema. Um, But what's interesting is that it came out in Criterion recently and Spike Lee did an interview talking about it 20 years removed or 20, 20, something like 20 years removed. And he discussed the ups and downs of how you discuss that imagery within film history in a way that I thought was absolutely thought provoking and even handed um, but it is an important film from this year. It's just a film that I don't rewatch a lot because of how tough a sit it can be. But I saw it in film school, the first year of film school. I had to find this DVD at Second Spin because it was available nowhere else. And then that DVD went out of print real quick. Like you couldn't get this DVD for less than 50 bucks on Amazon at a certain point until Criterion put it out. Um, so yeah, like I said, Bamboozled, number nine. It's a, it's a film that is very tough. Um, but can provide a lot of insight if you if you can sit down with it because it is a long movie too. It's like two hours and twenty minutes. So, um, but yeah, that's it. Oh, and Tommy Davidson's wonderful in the movie. He's fantastic. It's one of my favorite performances he's ever given. Cool, uh, Corinne, you're number nine. All right, I'm gonna bring it back here. So my number nine, I think I saw the sequel to this movie before I saw this movie. Because I remember there was a joke at the very beginning of the sequel that I didn't get because it was a reference to this movie. But it's uh, it's kind of become the origin of a couple of in-jokes in my family. But uh, here's my number nine. Pam is the one Greg wants to marry. Just relax, honey. I love you. But before he can pop the question, he'll have to meet... Hi, Daddy! The parents... What are you driving there, Ford? Oh, yeah. It's an interesting color. You pick it? Oh, no. Now the Hurst guy picked it. Why? Well, they say geniuses pick green. But you didn't pick it. <laughs> Be nice to this one, okay? Okay, I'll try. Now, he will enter their home. You know, Greg's in medicine, too, Larry. Oh, really? What field? Uh, nursing. <laughs> <laughs> not, not a lot of men in your profession, are there, Greg? 
and earn his way. You want to hear a story? I milked a cat once. A cat? Into the family. You know, just. I had no idea you could milk a cat. Oh, yeah, you can milk anything with nipples. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? Dad. At least that was the plan. Hey, it's Brad <laughs> I just feel like this is not going well at all. We're getting creepy, people. Oh, Florence Nightingale over here to play a little defense. I don't know what it is, but there's just something about him that's a little off. It's an antique polygraph machine. Why don't you try that on? That's okay. Oh, come on. We'll have some fun. Greg, my father was never in the rare flower business. Don't worry. You'll enjoy this. Have you ever watched pornographic videos? No. Relax. Relax. The needles are jumping. He was in the CIA for 34 years. Great. Yeah, I was scared of your dad back when I thought he was a florist. I'm a patient man. That's what 19 months in the Vietnamese prison camp will do to you. But I will be watching you, studying your every move. And I will bring you down, baby. I will bring you down to Chinatown. Robert De Niro. Did you flush this toilet? Ben Stiller. No. What's that smell? Greg flushed the toilet in the den, so the septic tank is overflowing. No. No, 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 no. Great, okay? In a new comedy from the director of Austin Powers. Meet the parents. You big bad CIA man? They teach you that in the CIA? You have another question? Sure, I got one question for you. Do I think you're a psycho? Yes. That's my future son-in-law. Can you deal with that? So my number nine is Meet the Parents. That's yeah, a fun movie. I haven't seen it in a long time. Me neither. Uh, but it's... Yeah, just watching the trailer just re- reminded of a lot of uh, big scenes in the movie, pretty funny scenes. Yeah, me too. And... I was shocked watching the trailer how much I actually remember the comedic beats of the film. I must have watched it a lot. Of course, the one that stands out in my mind, which isn't in the trailer, is the one where he uh, like accidentally breaks the va- the vase that holds the grandmother's ashes and yeah. the cat goes and pees on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a funny movie, and actually I think the sequel's pretty good. Yeah, it, it, they got a lot of mileage out of Fockers. Yeah, the yeah both sequels are more about the Fockers. Yeah, but uh, my I was telling them during the trailer that my dad does the like "I'll see you later" thing, like where he puts his hand, fingers to his eyes and does that. Um, he does that a lot, and of course, my dad is very much like Robert De Niro's character in some respects. Nice. So. <laughs> Yeah, I've uh, when I've brought boyfriends home before, he's mm-hmm. definitely been like, you know, let me uh, let me take you out into the garage and show you my gun safe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow! <laughs> you know, nice. do that whole bit. Anyway, so my number nine is Meet the Parents. Cool. Doesn't seem safe. <laughs> <laughs> James, tell me about your number nine. So my number nine is one that. Uh, <clears throat> I haven't seen it in a, in a while, but it's a movie that has always had sort of a special place in our family. Big, my mom is a huge fan of this movie, so I guarantee you it's on her list. Um, it's it's a movie that I'm sure most people have not seen, and that's why I put it on my list um, because I think it's a really great, genuine family film that's fun and that straight up Ryan Johnson's Looper steals from this movie. And so my number nine is Frequency. Once in a decade, 
Massive solar storms invade our atmosphere, disrupting global communications. John, it's your dad's old ham radio. Let's go over to the den, huh? Plug it in. And causing unexplained phenomena. W2QYV. This is Frank Sullivan. <clears throat> Hello? What'd you say your name was? Frank, Frank Sullivan. This is some kind of joke. That will allow John Sullivan to talk to his father. What do you say we tame this Bronco, huh? You and me, spared guts. Who's been dead for 30 years. But how could it be? I don't know. But we gotta be talking off the mother-son spot of all time. I missed you so much. Well, tell me about yourself. Tell me about your life. I'm a cop. <laughs> You're third generation firefighter. Come on, I thought you were gonna grow out of that cop phase. What's going on, Satch? Frank says that he's talking to Johnny on the radio in the future. Now, hey, little chief, there's somebody I want you to talk to. Good night, John. <laughs> Good night there, chief. Chief. Oh my God. Hello. Something's wrong. Something we did changed the past. Mom. Your mother, what? No. She was murdered. We gotta do something. Try to stop this guy. I may not know who he is, but I know where he's gonna be and what he's gonna do before he gets there. Do I call the police? They're not gonna believe me. You got his prints. I want you to hide that wallet. Somewhere where nobody's gonna find it for the next 30 years. The window seat in the dining room. It's in! I got it! something i can believe we've got to catch him in the act and you can make that happen dad i'm not a cop i'm a firefighter we can do it together remember spirit and guts i love you son i love you too dad so uh frequency is a movie with uh jim caviezel and bill paxton um where they or not bill paxton sorry dennis quaid uh dennis quaid is in the past it's like 70s i would say and he is uh he's the father to jim caviezel's character who's in the present and jim caviezel is having a really hard time you know not living his best life very negatively affected by the fact that his dad died when he was a kid um and uh he so his, his dad was a police officer and um there's this like series of brutal murders that were happening at the time um and he ends up being killed uh while he's trying to like solve this murder murder mystery and jim caviezel in the present uh is also trying to solve that same murder mystery and the aurora this is where it gets weird (laughs) this is where you just have to go with it because it's fun the aurora borealis floats over their house and they both really like uh like cb radios or ham radios you know um the ones like from contact i can never keep track of which one's which and somehow the signal from their radio flowing through the aurora borealis goes back in time so that jim caviezel can talk to his dad and so now Jim Caviezel and Dennis Quaid are both solving this 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 murder mystery across time, uh, and they are also able to reconcile their family differences better because now they're able to sort of catch up in a way that they never were as a kid, or when when Jim Caviezel was a kid. Um, 
this is like yes the premise itself is just cheesy enough to be like roll your eyes dumb but genuinely really genuinely really sweet um a, a fun movie like the actual mystery itself and the adventure of trying to solve the mystery is really great and so here's the thing that i wanted to get to was uh okay i don't want to spoil it because most of you haven't seen this so i will just say some of the really cool time travel ideas that are in looper that are visually amazing are in this movie first um and i'm not straight saying that ryan johnson stole them he just also did them and it's great um so yeah i I think you should absolutely check out frequency uh it's one of those movies that especially like somebody like you know ryan you're in a, a few years when um you've got a kid old enough that you want to show him as many movies as possible and you need as many family friendly fun interesting kind of cool movies as you can get your hands on this is definitely one that you should have on the list because it's it's different and cool i I kind of in my head keep it in in a space similar to like a star man um you know some of those just fun smaller not quite b movie but but just interesting different sci-fi films you know something that brings uh, takes a fun premise and and just tells you a fun story with it isn't as 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 highfalutin as like uh like a contact you know so anyway uh that's my number nine frequency so yeah uh i was tagged because my number eight is frequency so um i'm sharing this review with james and james pretty much covered it all so um hey remember when it's uh cool to be a cop (laughs) <laughs> the best part of the movie it's is the Garth cool Brooks song. Cop, Ryan. Um, yeah, it's a. I just think it's a. It's a cool premise. I mean, the movie is kind of like, you know, saccharine, cheesy. Yeah, like it's still it's father right, son. It's always it's okay to have those movies every once in a while. Uh, but you know, um, I, I like that they don't try to explain. You know, it's just the the aurora borealis is like messing up radio waves and it's able to create this time travel scenario. And I think it's a cool scenario because. Um, you know, they're able to like drop stuff off and like his adult son in the future is able to help his, uh, father in the past and, uh, track down the murder of their mother. And, um, by the finale, like the way things kind of like all that, all that effect comes together is pretty great. So, yeah, it's a fun movie. I haven't seen it in a while. Um, but it's one of those movies, you know, it is pretty saccharine, but it's still fun. Yeah. You know? It's okay to like those movies every once in a while. Because, I mean, lately I've been watching nothing but horror movies. And I'm like, man, maybe I should take a break. Yeah, <laughs> you, <know? laughs> yeah you probably should. Watch something lighter. <laughs> yeah. And so I watch Alvin and the Chipmunks, Chipwrecked, with Kellen. <laughs> it's garbage. <laughs> uh, yeah, so James is number nine and my number eight. Perfect. Is Frequency. Um, My number eight might sweep people's legs. Um, I'm a sucker for historical dramas. Um, they don't have to be accurate. I just like the scope of them. I love how epic they are. Um, so my number eight is an Academy Award winner. and tell me your name. My name is Gladiator. 
Father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance. Today I saw a slave become more powerful than the Emperor of Rome. They said you were a giant. I shall cheer for you. At my signal, unleash hell. Am I not merciful? What we do in life echoes in eternity. Uh, my number eight is Gladiator, uh, directed by the amazing Ridley Scott. Um, yeah, it tells the story of a dude who fights in the Coliseum, and he was not put there on because he wanted to be. He was put there because he's a slave, and they force him to fight. Are you not entertained? Um, it's one of those films that because it's a historical violent drama they you know it's films that the academy loves whether it's spartacus or braveheart uh films like this and they're great i mean that they're not very historically accurate um but they're still a lot of fun i I always say that they're historical uh fiction um, where you take elements and people from history and put them together and make an entertaining film you know that was always a knock against braveheart too is it's not very historically accurate i mean i don't care i mean how historic can it really be historically accurate from something that took place you know before recorded history was really recorded that well um so yeah gladiator and the film that put russell crowe on the map which he'll return to in two weeks in unhinged ryan this isn't on my list but this was the first r-rated movie i saw in a theater my dad took me to the IMAX for it a week after it won Best Picture because it was still playing there. It was a fantastic experience. (laughs) I can't remember my first R-rated film. It might have been Jason uh, Goes to Hell because I was supposed to see Super Mario and I went and saw Jason Goes to Hell. I sort of feel bad for you. I mean, I know it's a Jason movie, but it's that Jason movie. Oh, yeah, no. Either that or was The Hunt for Red October rated R? No. Is it PG-13? I think so. Because my dad took me to Hunt for Red October. But yeah, Gladiator, it's epic, it's fun, and a very young Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, he is really young. Yeah. It will be on other people's lists way later. Yeah, I'm guessing so, because I did the Wolverine snicked. See, what I'm doing right now is imitating Wolverine's berserker attack. <laughs> right, bye, baby kitties. Bye, bye. <laughs> Damn, Samba, that's a heart. <laughs> um, Henry, your number eight. Uh, my number eight is probably a sweep for at least someone, so we'll just get it out of the way. It's this film. Hello. This is the music editor at Rolling Stone magazine. This is William Miller. Yes, it is. I think you should be writing for us. From Cameron Crowe, writer-director of Jerry Maguire. If you're going to be a true journalist, you cannot make friends with the rock stars. Just make us look cool. God, it's going to get ugly, man. They're going to buy you drinks. Don't take drugs! They're going to fly you places for free. It's Bowie! You're going to meet girls. We are not groupies. We don't have intercourse with these guys. Just blowjobs, and that's it. Hey! 
name, man. On the road with the band. Your mom called. Rock stars have kidnapped my son. Spirits run high. There's acid in the beer that's in the red cups. How do you know when it's kicked in? I am a golden god. Runs wild. Let's deflower the kid. We need this story in four days. Your time has come. And there's more to write home about. Can you speak with William, please? Is this Marianne with the pot? Then the music. What do you love about music to begin with? Everything. It's so easy to slip. It's so easy We're gonna die. Something should happen. Maybe I never said this enough. I love all of you. I slept with Marna Dick. I did too. Me too. I'm gay! Don't you have any regular friends? Famous people are just more interesting. So yeah. Uh, my number eight film is Almost Famous, which I imagine is someone else's as well. Uh, or somewhere on the list. Uh, I will say, though, that I rewatched this recently, because my girlfriend's favorite film of all time. And I rewatched it to confirm its place on the list. And after rewatching it, eight is where it will stand. Uh, <laughs> uh, seven through one, I think, are better. And, uh, but uh, anyway, yeah. So I'm not going to talk too much about it, just because if it's going to come up with someone else on on someone else's list later, then they probably like it more than I do. So I will let them indulge themselves in that. So anyway, that's my number eight. We'll hear about it later from someone who cares about that movie. You swept someone's legs so much that the sweep interstitial was Tom Cruise kicking someone so hard that they hit their head and fucking died. Oh my god. That's how hardcore your sweep was. Oh god. It is a good movie. Not on my list. I don't mind either, but it's a good movie. I've seen it only once, though, so I'm I cannot. I'm guessing James. <laughs> I'm willing to bet. Who... Yeah, I know who's number I'm... one. This is so. <laughs> I'm going. It, it, it's a very James movie. Zach, number eight. All right, my number eight um, is the two Samuel Jackson movies on my list, um, and it's about the nephew of a bad mother. Shut your mouth. Well, I'm just talking about the guy featured in this trailer. Remember me? Read my mind. Who delivers ten times out of ten? Who's the cat that won't cop out? Shady Ray. They say I'm a complicated man. I might take you down, but I'll never let you down. Who's the man who'd risk his neck for his brother man? Now, what's my name? Shaft! (laughs) Can you dig it? So yeah, my uh, number eight is Shaft uh, from 2000. Um, the, it's from the late John Singleton. Um, 
and it's like it it, it it falls into this strange realm where it actually works as a as a continuation while also rebooting the franchise because I still haven't seen the new one that they put out with um with Samuel Jackson reprising this role but um I, but I I remember enjoying it when I finally did pick it up and um I think it was like second or third year of film school or something like that because I was going through all of Samuel Jackson's filmography and this actually obviously popped up. And I find it to be still like a fun, you know, action action film that, you know, captures the spirit of a Shaft movie. And I think Christian Bale's actually a really good villain in the movie. He's, he gives a good performance. And it's like an early example of Christian Bale kind of popping <laughs> random things. So, and, it's, and it does have Richard Roundtree playing the original Shaft in it. So it, it was... It was imperative to these guys to really continue continue the series rather than trying to reboot it entirely with no mention of Richard Roundtree because Roundtree is so iconic in that role. It would be impossible to try to just flat out remake it without providing some continuity to it. And, and I think Jackson, as always, gives a fun performance. So, um, yeah, Shaft from 2000. It's not the best Shaft movie, but it's a great Shaft movie. So... The best chef movie is Chef Goes to Africa. <laughs> oh. um, I will say, Zach, if you if you liked that this film, then you probably would like the new Shaft film as well because it is kind. It is everything that you described about how this one is fun and that kind of thing. Okay. Uh, but the new one also addresses the fact that Shaft is kind of an awful person, and so like, uh, which is. Which I find is is an interesting concept, and I've been hearing about that, and that's why I was like hesitant to go and go like, eh, I, I want to live in this cloud of ignorance, but you know, um, yeah. but I, I, also Kenya Barris was one of the co-writers on it, so I do want to see it eventually. I like Blackish, so, uh, but yeah, that was my number eight, guys. Can you dig it? It's a fun movie. Yeah, it is. Corinne, John sorry, John Singleton. Oh yeah, John Singleton's amazing filmmaker. I think this is my favorite of his films that's not Boys in the Hood, because that's, that's a hard line to tell. I think he did, made one of the best Fast and Furious movies, but <laughs> it's partially because Vin Diesel's not in that one. <laughs> it's always a selling point for me. Corinne, number eight? Mm, okay, so to introduce my number eight, I'll just say, Burr! It's cold in here. I said there must be some clovers in the atmosphere. I said, brr. It's cold in here. I said there must be some clovers in the atmosphere. Here it is. It's a weird way to introduce Gladiator. Let's hear it for the five-time national cheerleading champions, the Mighty Toro! <laughs> bang, bang, choo-choo track. Let me see you do your thing. You are cheerleaders. Cheerleaders are dancers who have gone retarded. Jan's got spirit. How about you? Dude, you just lost. Ever been to a cheerleading competition? We're the best. We have fun, we work hard, and we win national championships. have a problem about what you ripped off those cheers we've got the best squad around for years but no one's been able to see what we can do we're in trouble but you better believe all that's gonna change this year i swear i had no idea do you think a white girl came up with those moves this isn't about cheating this is about winning can we just beat these buffies down so i can go home we might have to have a rumble 
I'll take out Famous Losers for 200 Alex. Shut up, moron! You wanna make it right? Then when you go to nationals, bring it. That way, when we beat you, we'll know it's because we're better. I'll bring it. Don't worry. Come on, let's go get it on. We need a new routine, something amazing and fresh. We've been saying we're the best. Now it's time to put up or shut up. Let's do this. Maybe we uh, should join the squad. So my number eight is Bring It On, which if you don't know what that is, it is a movie about cheerleading. Uh, Kirsten Dunst, uh, she comes up through the ranks. She's like a senior in her last year of high school. She takes over the cheerleading squad and she finds out that the previous captain had stolen all of their best cheers from an inner city school <gasps> and <laughs> so she and her squad have to figure out a way to like <laughs> basically prove that they are worthy and that they're not just a bunch of like thieves and you know cheaters and everything yeah it's it, it's whatever it's a 2000 movie it's a comedy it's fun. Oh, I... do not dismiss yourself. This film's amazing, Corinne. Do not <laughs> let Ryan bring you down. Don't get sad about this. This is an amazing film. But not on your list, though. No, not on my list. Okay. <laughs> it's amazing, just not amazing enough. <laughs> hey, it's not, it's not, listen, it's not better than Almost Famous, and that's the bar right now, so, like... <laughs> I mean, obviously, I remember some of the cheers from the movie. I remember, like, doing them around the house with my sisters and just... You know, we would adapt it to our high school's mascot and everything. And, of course, Spirit Fingers is a big in-joke in my friend group. So, yeah. You know, and I actually think it makes a good point about, um, you know, like, well, I guess in a sense white privilege, but also just kind of like uh, Kirsten Dunn's characters in like a richer school and the fact that they steal their cheers from an inner city school just kind of shows you like the inequality in the education system and how, oh, if you're white and rich, you can get away with anything. And, of course, it's like, it's the people who are... Well, how do you explain OJ? Socioeconomically challenged who, you know, they're trying to work hard and they're the ones who are bringing this creativity and then, you know, the white people just steal it and, you know, claim it's their own and that's, you know, they're the ones winning all the national championships and stuff, so... Anyway, it's about, you know, finding individuality and just whatever and also you know brandy's in the movie so there's that yep thanks for being the counterpoint to all of our other films Corinne. <laughs> you really balance it out with chick flicks is it a film that i should rewatch, henry uh i think it's good i mean like uh Corinne did a good job of talking about it but like uh, now the man can come in and talk about it <laughs> um, it's, a, it's, a, but, uh, it's a fun it's a fun film it's just like you know it's, it's one to watch on a lazy sunday afternoon sort of thing yeah. yeah 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 it's also like there's basically no films about cultural appropriation and this is like a good example of one 
Uh, and so if you want to like look at something like a film about that theme, I would I would point to this one as being a good example of it. So I feel like I've never seen it in full. It's something I've seen in chunks, so I'll have to just watch it in full now. So. It used to be on cable a lot, and I think that's how I ended up watching it first. Well, it's still popular because they still make direct-to-video like sequels to it. Right. Pretty simple concept. Cheerleaders, it's going to be pretty cheap to make. So Yeah, it's just like a teen comedy. Whatever. Hate on it all you want, Ryan. You're just closed-minded. Uh, no, I just like good movies. Hey, James, tell us about your number eight. Cool. So my number eight, I mean, I would certainly hope is on somebody else's list, uh, but it might not be. And and again, this is one where I just have to put it up here because this is one of my favorite Disney animated films of all time. Uh, and mostly because it is a train wreck of a film that is perfect. So my number eight is The Emperor's New Groove. Long ago, in a faraway land, there was a prosperous kingdom ruled by a young emperor. Ha! Boom, baby! He had a serious attitude. You threw off my groove. I'm sorry, but you've thrown off the emperor's groove. Sorry! An evil advisor. By the way, you're fired. I'll take over and rule the empire. And one major problem. I'll just poison him with this. Ah. Hey, Kronk, can you top me off, pal? Be a friend? <laughs> a llama? He's supposed to be dead! Yeah, weird. Take him out of town and finish the job. Now, his only hope is a humble peasant. Demon llama! Demon llama? Where? Ah! You kidnapped me! Why would I kidnap a llama? You're the criminal mastermind, not me. What? Tell me Cusco's dead. Ow! Well, he's not as dead as we would have hoped. No, 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 break. Why did I risk my life for a selfish brat like you? Now I feel really bad. Bad llama. Ooh, why me? The Emperor's got a new look. <laughs> a new partner. We're gonna have to work together to get out of this. You know, it's a good thing you're not a big fat guy, or this would be really difficult. <laughs> and a brand new groove. Walt Disney Pictures presents <laughs> The Emperor's New Groove. Uh-oh. Don't tell me. We're about to go over a huge waterfall. Yep. Sharp rocks at the bottom? Most likely. Bring it on. Booyah! If you know the story of The Emperor's New Groove, the the movie like was in pre-production hell for a long time it changed over and over and over again. And so when you kind of boil down the Emperor's New Groove, the plot itself is very thin. It's like they they kept working on the movie and kept having a bunch of different ideas and finding fun stuff to do. But then the actual like heart of the film, the plot of the film just kept getting thinner and thinner. And so it's just about this king, Cusco, who is a dick and 
uh, one of the the his advisors is this evil witch lady, and she turns him into a llama and kicks him out. And he's supposed to get murdered, but doesn't get murdered. So now he's just a llama, and he befriends one of the poor people in his town, and he learns the lesson of how he should actually be a better king. And in the end, tries to get turned back into not a llama. Um, a silly premise, but absolutely a nonstop fun time. Um, the all of the side characters are are great. There's so many like kind of slapsticky weird moments, like like when um, John Goodman's character is cooking in the in the or no 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 it's uh, Patrick Warburton's character is cooking in the back room, and they they there's like this very Looney Tunes esque scene that's happening. Patrick Warburton steals every scene that he's in uh, in this movie, especially the scene where he's supposed to to drown the llama and as he sneaks through the town is, is singing his own theme song all the way through. Uh, Cause he thinks he's like this cool, you know, spy. Um, the, yeah. The characters are all great. I, I think the jokes are really fun. The story itself, despite being so like, man, this movie shouldn't have worked is actually really uh, touching in the end. Um, this David Spade's character, David Spade plays the llama um, it ends up being really endearing and and fun and so by the end you really want him to change and you believe him when he changes it's not like um you know you've seen that sort of story before where there's like one moment and all of a sudden they change like he's kind of constantly a dick through most of the movie but is slowly coming around and it's one of the things that the movie i think does best is that when he has that moment that's the final like no you've got to you're you're abandoned now and you have to realize that that you've now you know uh sort of betrayed or 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 offended the only person who was still on your side Uh, he's already come a ways so it's not just like oh we're gonna now in a moment change this character it's like oh no this is just the last little bit he needed um so for a movie that had such a tough time to get made um it, it ends up being just so much fun to watch um an absolute gem it's one of those that also i think a lot of people hadn't seen for a long time and now i think most people have and when you mention it everybody's like oh that's so great it's just i I think underappreciated so my number eight is the emperor's new groove thanks james perfect moving on oh my gosh that's twice in a row that james has swept my disney pick so screw you james you're not allowed to put disney movies on your list anymore if you're gonna put them so low corinne how many times have you seen that movie you were pretty good at reciting it i've seen it a lot we watched it when i, I rewatched it recently for the film explosion list too so yeah it did make my list it is a fun movie though i think it's one of the most underrated disney films i'll talk about it a lot later cool brad uh, my number seven, uh, I'm a Huey Lewis in the News fan, so when they put Huey Lewis in a movie, I had to see it. Hello, everybody. Are you ready to rock the house? Her name was Lola. She was a showgirl. It might seem a little strange. What do they call it anyway? Karateoke? Karaoke. What is karaoke? It's a rush like you wouldn't believe. It's like jumping out of an airplane. It's a way of life. The cha-cha. Some life. That's Hey, hey, uh, it may seem a little foolish. About you. Are you going to sing? Me? I'd be way too nervous. But for six complete strangers, it's a real path to the real meaning of 
the real drugs. Karaoke is going to set them free. You can enter this little contest of ours. No, the real big money's up in Omaha this Saturday. Five grand. For these two, it's about love. How old are you anyhow? Probably old enough for a lot of things. I don't want to interrupt if you two are bonding. Do you know him? Why, of course I know him. He's your father. And she'll tease you. For these two, it's about following your heart. I'm going to be the only major thing that has ever happened to you in your life. I am not an underachiever. I'm not. The sex was great. It was almost like being with a girl. <laughs> Seriously. For these two, it's about living on the edge. You don't know how to drive? No, I don't know how to drive. Grab a mic. Baby, let's crew. No way. And make your dreams I'm come true. Maria Bello, Andre Brower, Paul Giamatti, Huey Lewis, Academy Award winner Gwyneth Paltrow, Scott Speedman. I love it Duets. Yeah, my number seven is Duets. Um, it's a movie that follows the story of three sets of pe- couples, people just kind of thrown together through circumstance and how their experiences change each other. So um, Huey Lewis and Gwyneth Paltrow um, are a... Huey Lewis is a, is a rock star who has kind of avoided family, um, and he's thrown... He uh, early on finds out that Gwyneth Paltrow is his estranged daughter, um, and their mother forces them to spend time together and Huey Lewis spends most of the movie just trying to get rid of her uh, so he can get back to his partying. Um, and then he learns, you know, not to do that. And then Paul Giamatti and Andre Brower, um, Paul Giamatti is like an overworked, uh, corporate guy who has been around the country traveling so much that he often forgets what cities he's in. Um, and his, he's, he's so exhausted. His life spirals out of control and he's kind of like has a breakdown. And then Andre Brower is a, a uh, escaped convict. Um, and uh, Paul Giamatti's character learns that his life isn't as bad as he thinks it is um, through him. And then uh, Scott Speedman and Maria Bello. Uh, Maria Bello is just a girl just trying to find her way in the world, um, you know, making money wherever she can, mostly through the karaoke circuit. And Scott Speedman's this goody two shoes who, you know, is. Uh, you know, was willing to help anybody out for any reason, very naive. And, uh, you know, he learns, they, they kind of learn how to meet in the middle. Like she can trust people more and he can, you know, be a little less <laughs> straight arrow. Um, yeah. And, um, it all comes to a head at this big karaoke competition, uh, where all, they all compete for a huge grand prize. And yeah. And then Scott Speedman gets kidnapped by a lady named Selena, and right. he's in, gets embroiled in a. And he's war got the perfect lichen blood and to purify the bloodline. <laughs> yep. So, yep, that's duets. My number seven. Cool. Uh, my number seven is my favorite kind of gangster films. Um, it's English, and it has lots of energy, and it has Brad Pitt who mumbles throughout it. Four fingers. 
has a daughter the size of a fist. 86 carats. You know something that I've done? Jeez, it's flawless. Where? London. London. You know, fish, chips, cup of tea, Mary Poppins, London. What do I know about diamonds? I'm a boxing promoter. I've got a bare knuckle fight, so I want to use the pie key. Fetch your vaccine, can't you? Ah. Uh, what? You're going to have to repeat that. Fetch your vaccine, can't you? What? What is a gun doing in your trousers? Protection. Protection from what? The Germans. <laughs> I've got the case and give me the stone. The only man who knew the combination. You just shot. I'm getting heartburn. Tony, do something terrible. That is the stone. Heavy. Shut up and sit down, you big balls. So what should I call you? You can call me Susan if it makes you happy. I don't care if it's Mohammed, Imard, Bruce Lee. You're going down in the fourth round. Whoops. Anything to declare? Yeah. Don't go to England. My number seven film is Snatch, which is a Guy Ritchie film um, about a bunch of British gangsters looking for a diamond and uh, Brad Pitt plays like a gypsy boxer who doesn't take a fall, which creates bigger problems for him. Uh, it's a really fun film. I'm always... Uh, a big supporter. I think Guy Ritchie makes films that have tons of energy. Um, even his not better films, you can, I can still watch a Guy Ritchie film and have a lot of fun because his films constantly move. The characters are always goofy. Uh, he definitely has a style, and um, Snatch is a really fun movie. And that's my number Great. seven. <laughs> Henry, number seven. Uh, you can count on my number seven to be this film. I don't know what the church's official position is on adultery these days. So what is the official position these days? Well, it's a sin. How was school? Stupid. Were you a wild kid? Not as wild as your mom. Mom, were you? No comment. I've noticed that some of the employees are setting their PC monitors to all kinds of crazy colors. But this is a bank, so I'm asking that people use a more quote-unquote normal range of colors. You know, you're the worst manager we've ever had. Here's to improved employee management relations. This is incredible. Mm. That is not what I mean. I got a postcard from you from Alaska. Yeah, yeah, I was out there for a little while. That was in the fall, Terry. I was in jail for a little while. What? Maybe you should stay home for a while. <laughs> yeah, maybe that'd be a good idea. I got a hundred bucks here. It says me and my nephew can beat anybody in here. Only we got to get the next game because he's got to be in bed by 10 o'clock. 
taking him to play pool in the middle of the night and then telling him to lie to me about it. There's nothing to do here. It's a dull, narrow town full of dull, narrow people. What are you talking about? I have no idea. You're a very important person to Rudy, and you are the most important person to me. A lot of people come to see me with all kinds of problems. Drugs, alcohol, marital problems, sexual problems. Good job you have, man. Well, I like it. Laura Linney, Mark Ruffalo, Rory Culkin, Matthew Broderick. You're fired! I feel a little nervous about firing an employee I just had an affair with, okay? <laughs> you can count on me, a Kenneth Lonergan film. So anyway... My number seven film is You Can Count On Me. It stars Mark Ruffalo as a fuckable fuck-up. Uh, <laughs> Wait a minute. Both he... You kind of gave it away when you were introducing it. <laughs> that I was... see you caught on to my little joke there, Ryan. Yeah, that's clever wordplay, uh, my friend. Thank you. Anyway, this is my number seven film. <laughs> <laughs> we can count on it. Yeah, we got like 45 minutes. That's all I'm going to say. So I recommend it. It's my seven. Go see it. Sure. Why not? Zach? All right. My number seven uh, is the only Steven Soderbergh movie on my list. A lot of interests in this town. FBI, CIA, DEA. Right now they're scared of you. They brought him to Washington to win a war. We need to take down one of these cartels. They took her husband to send a message. What is going on? The DEA has got it. Do not discuss anything over the telephone. They apprehended a witness to win their case. We hired drivers with nothing to lose and throw a lot of product at the problem. This has worked for years. And they paid an informant to get the truth. In Mexico, law enforcement is an entrepreneurial activity. You should feel good about this. I feel like a traitor. But the war they thought they had won. You might want a pencil and a little FaceTime with your daughter. See? Now you see. Let's do some more. It's just beginning. You should not have any contact with those people. The doll is high impact, pressure molded. It's odorless, undetectable by the dogs, undetectable by anyone. <laughs> I want the principal witness against my husband killed. You making a deal on tape? Benicio del Toro. It's all about the money. Dennis Quaid. Stay out of this. And Catherine Zeta Jones. Now get out of the car and shoot him in the head. Traffic. No one gets away clean. So yeah, my number seven is traffic. Um, Steven Soderbergh's uh, adaptation of a miniseries from uh, from from the UK. Um, intersects three different stories that all pertain to the drug trade and uh, drug trafficking. Um, it's it's it still holds up pretty well um, as a um, as not just a Soderbergh film, but also just as a you know drug trafficking kind of like drugs drug cartel movie. Uh, Benicio del Toro is the most watchable part of the movie for me, um, but I do like Michael Douglas in it as well, and um, I think this might be one of my favorite Catherine Zeta Jones movies. Um, if I'm like, cause I don't really have a lot of hers on my, um, like top list, but, but this movie's really good. Um, I, I don't watch it that often cause it is two and a half hours and it's hard to sit for two and a half hours in that depressed a mood. 
Um, it's kind of why I can't rewatch Sicario a bunch because I'm like, because they're sort of similar. I'm like, man, this is just all super depressing. Great films, though. Um, so, yeah, if you haven't seen Traffic, I would check it out. It's a good movie. What is it with Benicio Del Toro and movies about drug trafficking? Well, I think this kind of set the standard for him being cast in those roles because this is what he wins his Oscar for. Is he a drug trafficker in Last Jedi? <laughs> He's a yeah. smuggler. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> so my number seven, um, unlike Fantasia 2000, has 2000 in the title, but actually came out in the year 2000. If true evil cannot die, is there a chance that it can forever be contained? Passcode decrypted. Accessing. Security shutting down. Cracked. For centuries, a secret has been buried beneath the streets of London. You don't build this kind of security without a gold mine to hide. Something ageless. What the hell is that? The Holy Grail, the Golden Fleece, the Crown Jewels, whatever it is, it's inside. Something powerful. Something beyond your deepest fears. What has happened in there? He's Francesco. Draculia. Not Miss Israel. I assure you. I don't want to die. There are worse things than death. So you haven't told me your name? We're all so much more complicated than our names. So my number seven is Dracula 2000. And I got to say, like, yeah, the first half of this movie is whatever. But actually, I really enjoyed the second half of the film um, because Wes Craven does something really interesting with the Dracula lore. And I, I applaud it for its uniqueness and how it kind of takes these elements that has been built up in Dracula, like how he doesn't like silver, he doesn't like the cross... Uh, and it just kind of explains it in a unique way, and I won't I won't say what it is because in case people haven't seen it, but um, I also think um, the character Mary, her existence is also really interesting, and the dynamic between her and Dracula is kind of cool. So you know, it is what it is. It's like weird, fun, cheesy movie. It's really violent. The first half of it is really violent, but like I said, I more enjoy the second half and the explanation of how Dracula came to be the way he is and the relationship between him and Mary is interesting. So, yeah, Dracula 2000. All right. 
and I am shocked. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> Why are you shocked, Ryan? It's, it's a horror film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not. It's it's not a bad movie. It's pretty. Uh, it's, kind it's of is. Watchable. <laughs> uh, James, tell us about your number seven. So uh, my number seven is the reason why I did this whole, hey, I got to just put more ringers in my list thing. Um, my number seven is, is a, a movie that I was obsessed with for years. I saw it in theaters that year. And, um, and f- I, I've probably watched it 50 or 60 times in my life like no joke this was a movie that i would just put on in the background and watch and every time you'd listen for the comedy bits and when the action bits would happen you would just sit and watch because this is my my favorite american jackie chan film my number seven is shanghai noon in a forbidden city a princess has been kidnapped and taken to America. Welcome, Princess Pepe. But a warrior has been sent 5,000 miles to bring her back. How? 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 The only help he can find Reach for the sky, ladies and gentlemen. is an outlaw. Do exactly as I do it. Yeah! Who's no help at all. All right, I'll do it. Do what? Help you rescue Princess Pee-Pee. Hey, Pee. We are partners. Shake on it. You're not in the East, okay? You're not in China. This is the West. You two got 10 seconds to come out of there. Give us a minute. Are you crazy? I hate you. No, but you're getting really close. Stop. Come on, we're men, we're not pinatas. Jackie Chan. Owen Wilson. Come on, Roy. Be the bullet. You can do it. Oh, no, you can't. He's going to kill you. And Lucy Liu. This Memorial Day. The Old West. Meets the Far East. One. Two. My name's John Wayne. John Wayne? John Wayne. <laughs> That's a terrible cowboy name. So, Shanghai Noon, uh, not the first uh, Jackie Chan movie I saw. You, you know, you got to remember I was 13 in, in 2000. Um, sorry, old guys. Um, I was 13 in 2000, and so... I'd, I'd seen Rush Hour at that point, and then you know Jackie Chan was starting to get famous. And Shanghai Noon, in my opinion, was like the pinnacle of. And when I say starting to get famous, starting to get into bigger American-made movies. As a 13-year-old, I was not aware of him yet. Okay, just I don't want to hear anybody yelling at me about how I don't appreciate Jackie Chan enough. Um, so Shanghai Noon was like the pinnacle of that period where he was making these these big very popular 
American movies. Um, and I think Shanghai Noon is incredible um, because what's fun about it is a twist on sort of the Jackie Chan style of using the props around him to fight guys is that in this movie, the props around him are, are cowboy stuff. Um, you know, so he's using um, uh, horseshoes and the limbs of a tree. There's this awesome fight with some American Indians. There's like these, you know, Mohawk Indians that are after him uh, at one point. I don't actually know that they're Mohawks. They're just, they're made up to be very dramatic and bad guy Indian. You know, I, you can't see me, but bad guys is, is in quotes. Um, but they're going to try to kill this guy for whatever reason. And he has this amazing scene where he's fighting, I think two different uh, American Indians with a tree where he's like on one side and he's flipping around and flipping the limbs. And like, and that's the kind of thing that you don't usually get that, that, um, that element in most Jackie Chan movies, because most Jackie Chan movies are set in a city, right? Even the one, even his, his, uh, his original foreign films were, we're often in that kind of an environment. And so this one just feels very different. I think uh, the, the comedic back and forth between him and Owen Wilson, Owen Wilson is great. The story itself is really fun. Uh, I think it's one that you can still return to today and have, you know, okay, here's a movie about um, enslaving Chinese people to build a railway, which, you know, happened. Uh, So, I think it's a a really great movie. It's still very close to my heart. Um, It's a tragedy that it's so hard to get a Blu-ray of it uh, because I think the movie is just so perfect. Like it's so much fun. Lucy Liu's in this movie. She doesn't actually get to do much. She mostly just goes, ah, and then like tries to not get hit. Uh, But at the end, I think she gets a good whack or two in. Um, So yeah, uh, Shanghai Noon, not just a great Jackie Chan movie, also a really funny movie and a good western uh everyone should watch shanghai noon um and while sure there are movies not on my list that are quote better than shanghai noon uh god i just i just love it and it's it's one that i I think is so easy to recommend to people um for them to watch so yep that's my number seven shanghai noon cool uh it was my number six movie so james and i are pretty close on uh our rankings of this it's a fun movie um, not a deep movie, but it's always, uh, like, it's just a fun pairing because Owen Wilson's kind of, you know, the goofy surfer dude and Jackie Chan is really disciplined and is really great at physical comedy and in stunts in his films. It's just a, it's, it's a fun movie. It's, uh, one when I was 20 years ago when I was younger that I used to watch all the time. It's kind of like the same dynamic as uh, rush hour. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, my folks took me took me and my sister to see this in the theater, and we fucking loved it and rewatched it on blue on DVD a bunch. And I still love in the sequel where they accidentally bring Charlie Chaplin to America at the end. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's a fun movie. Thanks, James. Yep, Brad six. Uh, yeah. So this is where I kind of take a back seat for the rest of the show because this is the first repeat. Um, number six is Gladiator. You don't have to play it. Okay. Um. So I, I rewatched it a couple nights ago, um, and it's it's such a watchable movie. Like, yeah. I mean, it, it's easy to do that because it's just the hero's journey story, like really on the nose. You know, this uh, uh, Maximus is you know the the Caesar's right hand general, and uh, he's next in line to be uh, the next Caesar. And then 
the Caesar's own son kills him and then frames Maximus for the murder. Um, And then Maximus um, or uh, Commodus kills Maximus's family. Uh, Maximus uh, becomes a slave and then works his way back to, uh, you know, get his revenge using the gladiator circuit. Um, And yeah, it's just a really simple revenge story. Um, But it's like, yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, Some of the, the CGI and like the, the matte, like the backgrounds of the, of Rome um, are, are a little more noticeable, but I remember I saw this a bunch in the theater, like so much so that I watched it so much. I would just fall asleep um, <laughs> uh, in the theater. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's still really good. Um, uh, Lafleur's from mall rats is like the, <laughs> the, uh, the guy they bring out of retirement to try and kill him. And, and ironically it's a sack full of, money that maximus uses to take him down that's right <laughs> sack full of quarters mm-hmm. um, i can think of the name what's the name of the roman coins fly. uh yeah it's a great 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 movie cool ah oh, you can skip me too because my number six is shanghai noon um so henry number six my number six my number six is a fun film called this did you think we were gonna be together forever you act like such a little kid you know i just can't stand it anymore All right, so from the director of Pineapple Express and Your Highness comes George Washington, a fun, <laughs> hilarious romp about a teenage boy who kills his best friend accidentally and then has to deal with the consequences. It's a fun romp all around. <laughs> I got that from the trailer. I said, man, this is something I can put on on a Sunday afternoon and just enjoy it. Yeah. yeah it's a good movie. It is a very good movie. It's, I would recommend it, but if you don't expect Pineapple Express, it's a very <laughs> different movie. So. More in line with uh, Halloween 2018 than Pineapple Express, I'd argue. Yeah. 
But anyway, that's my number, whatever that one was. I think someone does need to make the George Washington drug trafficking movie. Like, it's, it's 1776. He's got to <laughs> outwit the British Army. Nice. To get the, the opium <laughs> across the, the Delaware. Is Mel Gibson doing anything? The untold story of the American Revolution. Mm-hmm. But oddly enough, he gets in trouble for smuggling brandy. British brandy. Zach, number six. All right, my number six is a repeat. Uh, it is uh, M. Night Shyamalan's Unbreakable. Oh, I was hoping it was your number one. <laughs> no, it's not. You, you guys should know what my number one is. It shouldn't be a big secret. Um, but, um, no, th- my my dad took me to the theater to see this because um, I was getting into superhero films, like one that will be mentioned um, today. And, um, and, and just, it was just interesting how the comic book lore ended up playing into this movie. Like it, it, when you rewatch it, it's interesting how much M night Shyamalan actually kind of didn't predict, but like capitalize on a lot of things that superhero movies would end up utilizing down the line in terms of explaining origins and these kind of different twists you can have in them. Like, I still think that the twist at the end of this movie is devastating and quite like dark um considering where it ends on that final frame of jackson going they call me mr glass like it's so heartbreaking and yet terrifying at the same time um and i do think this is one of bruce willis's best performances in a movie hands down um so yeah i mean it's it's only this low on the list really because my my life my love of this uh universe that Shyamalan created was kind of shattered with uh glass if you will so um I it's it's a fine movie on its own and I think it just needs to remain just that I don't need any more glass movies or um you know it it just it's fine but yeah anyway number six Unbreakable that's a good movie Corinne, what uh, Disney Channel original is uh, your number six my number six is a repeat it's Gladiator nice um I, I, I don't think I, like, really sit down and watch the movie all that often because it's so long, but it's one of those movies that if it was already on, I would watch it the rest of the way through. Or if somebody just put it on, I'd be like, okay. And then, like, once you get it going, it really sucks you in, but it's not one of those that I'm like, ah, I gotta sit down and really watch this, like, two-and-a-half-hour movie because it sounds like a lot of fun. I don't know. I it's don't a mind good, long it's a good movie like Gladiator as long as they don't drag. You know, yeah. the movie's constantly moving. It is, and yeah. it's well made, so it doesn't seem like two and a half hours. Also, I think the soundtrack is really good, yeah. and Jamon Hansu's performance is uh, not talked about often enough, so... Yeah, Gladiator, yeah. good movie. Also, original Dumbledore is in that movie. That's so. true. So's, so's uh, Oliver Reed. I just watched him in Curse of the Werewolf. <laughs> yeah, I never noticed they recycled that mm-hmm. one shot at the end, because he died before they could finish it. But, like, I, I just bought the 4K version, and now it's painfully obvious mm-hmm. that that shot is from earlier in the movie, just reused to, yeah, because yeah, it has a sort of matching background. With several shots in the movie, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, But a lot of his end scenes are just his silhouette, because, <laughs> yeah, he's not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, James, introduce your number six. Uh, so my number six is a movie that I long argued was a perfect film. Um, I don't think this is the best movie about racism. You already know what I'm talking about. Um, I don't think this is the best movie about racism uh, or even the best drama or even the best sports movie. 
But when you watch this movie, it is completely trimmed of fat. It, it does exactly what it wants to do in as effective and as simple and as straightforward a way as it wants to, or as it can. Um, it is just like boiled down to just what it needs to be to be a great story, to be a fun family, fun family film, but you know, a good family film, something that lasts, something that's emotionally effective, something that has just the right amount of comedy and levity to keep you moving. And then will hit you in the gut in just the right way when it needs to. Um, my number six is remember the Titans. You smiling. Why are you smiling? Football's fun. You think football is fun? Yes. No, no, certainly. Uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not by now. No, it's not fun anymore. Not even a little bit. Zero fun, sir. All right. Coach Boone's school board made the decision to put you on my staff. I did not hire you. Well, I came up here to coach you. I didn't ask to be assigned to your staff, so I guess we're both in a situation we don't want to be in. Hey, if the game will play like that, we'll lose every game. But I can guarantee you this, Coach. I come to win. We will be perfect in every aspect of the game. Get up, boy! Get up! Get up! Get up! We're still weak on the left side. We're not weak on the left side. It's not the problem. What is the problem? I don't need you up on my face all the time. I don't care if you like each other or not, but you will respect each other. I want you to tell me something about one of your teammates. I'm rooming with Blue, sir. He wears those leopard-spotted underwear. Bikini style, sir. Okay, maybe somebody who's not your roommate. Each one of you will spend time every day with a different teammate. Does the term cruel and unusual punishment mean anything to you? If you lose a game, they'll fire you. One game, just like that. Brother, don't you know me and your mama went out on the town last night? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> what happened to you? Man, I just gave your mama a piggyback ride and she weighs twice as much as I do. <laughs> What's going on? We wanted to let you know we was going to warm up a little different tonight. We are the Tigers. We're going to let these people know who's going to win state, right? Right. 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 right? Greek mythology, the Titans were greater even than the gods. We're going to change the way we run. They ruled their universe with absolute power. We're going to change the way we block. Football feel out there tonight. That's our universe. We're gonna change the way we win. We don't let anything, nothing, come between us. We are team. Completely trimmed of fat. It it does exactly what it wants to do in as effective and as simple and as straightforward a way as it wants to or as it can. Um, it is just like boiled down to just what it needs to be to be a great story, to be a fun family, fun family film, but you know, a good family film, something that lasts, something that's emotionally effective, something that has just the right amount of comedy and levity to keep you moving. And then will hit you in the gut in just the right way when it needs to. Um, my number six is remember the Titans. You know, watching that trailer, every time I see Denzel on screen, Denzel Washington, he just, you just get sucked in. He's like the biggest magnet. Mm -hmm. you, you believe, so charismatic. Yeah, you believe everything he says. I, I love him. 
Good movie. Wow. James really got his revenge on me for 1990 film explosion. So. Brutal. <laughs> nice. Brad? Uh, my number five is another repeat. My number five is Battle Royale. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, you swept me. Uh, yeah, that movie is fantastic. Um, you know, what happens when you're forced in this situation and there can be only there can be only one. Um, and it's just kids and it's like Lord of the Flies and the Hunger Games and, uh, the various scenarios where, you know, you, th- you think you have friends and then when it's really down to the wire, you have to choose between yourself and them. Um, it's, there's a lot of dilemmas in that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's amazing. I'd love it and, if a Highlander showed up in Battle Royale. <laughs> yeah. They're basically all Highlanders. So yeah, it's my number five is Battle Royale. Uh, my number five is not a repeat. Um, but I think it helps sell a lot of volleyballs. I got a gift for you. Oh, my. My granddaddy used it on the Southern Pacific. I'm always going to keep this on Memphis time. Merry Christmas. I love you. I love you, too. I'll be right back. Hey, is all this turbulence from Santa and those eight tiny reindeer? Better buckle up, Chuck. It's going to get bumpy. That's a search area of 500,000 square miles. That's twice the size of Texas. From the Academy Award-winning director of Forrest Gump. We live and we die by time, don't we? Tom Hanks. You wouldn't have a match. Any chance, would you? At the edge of the world. (laughs) The end of a man's journey will become... The beginning of his life. I would rather take my chance out there on the ocean than to stay here and die. You were lost for four years. We had a funeral, coffin. What was in it? Yeah, number five for me is Castaway. Uh, it's a great film. It you know, if you get past uh, you know the spectacle of Tom Hanks uh, crashing in the ocean and as a character study and what would happen if you were by yourself for four years and keep on fighting, and you know when you get back and everyone's moved on, is I couldn't even imagine what you would go through. And uh, Tom Hanks is amazing in the film. I mean. T- that sounds sound stupid to say. Tom Hanks is great and everything. But, um, yeah. Great film. Sad and uplifting at the same time. Yep. Henry, number five. 
Oh boy, where are my number five film? <laughs> Hello, sugar. How's my little girl? <laughs> he ain't our daddy. I am the only daddy you got. I am the damn heterofamilias. Now mama's got a new boat. Vernon here's got a job. Vernon's got prospects. He's bona fide. What are you? You can't marry him. Why can't I? I am and I will. This uh, gentleman bothering you? Well, you can't marry my wife. And stay out of the Woolworth. To get back to his wife and kids, Ulysses Everett McGill will do anything. Hey, any boy, Smitty. But he's about to get off on the wrong track. Who elected you leader of this outfit? Well, Pete, I figured it should be the one with the capacity for abstract thought. Boys, you just stick with me. Hey, we're in a tight spot. Believe me, I got a plan. And I can get my wife back and we can get out of here. Okay, I'm with you fellas. Gonna introduce us, Pete. I've seen him first. Pete! <laughs> Them sirens loved him up and turned him into a horny toad. You two are just dumber than a bag of hammers. Well, allow me to introduce myself. Big Dan Tootcorp. Hey, what line of work Thank you, George? Come and get me, Captain! <laughs> oh, George, not the livestock. <laughs> Wait a minute. Since we've been following your lead, we got nothing but trouble. You have eluded me for the last time. Ah! I got the answers. I'm bona fide. Maybe your friends think I'm just a stranger. I think you never see no You're gonna go far. I'll meet you on God's golden shore. You ever been with a woman? I gotta get the family farm back before I can start thinking about that. So yeah. My uh, number five film is Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? It's uh, made by a little couple bros called the Coens. Maybe you've heard of them. I don't know. I'm assuming I swooped someone, so... Zach, would you like to speak? Alright. Well, anyway, this is an okay Coen Brothers film that's number five on my list. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So, anyway. My number five, a brother, where art thou? Apparently, we're going to hear about it later by someone who actually cares about it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Zach, you're number five? All right, my number five is about the downfall of a small British uh, enterprise. Ever wonder what chickens do when you're not looking? Operation cover-up! No chicken escapes from Tweedy's farm! You've got to get out of here. attempt was a bit of a fiasco. These chickens are planning a little getaway. The plan is we go over the wire. <laughs> <laughs> 
found their only hope. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. You've been a wonderful audience. <laughs> the name's Rocky. And what brings you to England? Why, all the beautiful English chicks, of course. Pushy Americans. Hi, how are you? Overpaid, oversexed, and over here. Which punk is mine? <laughs> What is it? It's a pie machine. Chickens go in, pies come out. Ooh, what kind of pies? We're all going to fly over that fence and Mr. Rhodes is going to show us how. Did you say fly? This summer. I don't want to be a pie. I don't like gravy. Rocky! I'm coming! From the Academy Award-winning creators of Wallace and Gromit. Rocky! I'll be down before you can say mixed vegetables! Dare to dream. There's a better place out there. And get ready to fly. event of an emergency put your head between your knees and kiss your bum goodbye chicken run i mustn't panic we mustn't panic <laughs> so yeah my number five is chicken run um it's about the 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 very quick fall of mrs tweedy's chicken pie enterprise uh but more importantly it's a chicken version of the great escape and uh we saw this a bunch in theaters. We kept watching it on DVD as a family. It's, uh, it's, it's a fun time all around. Um, I actually remember this being among the first DVDs we ever owned, and they had special features on how they made the animation. And I think this was my first real entry into stop-motion animation and understanding like how it was made, because I had seen Wallace and Gromit prior, and I knew um, Park and Lord's work um, with Ardman. So learning how they did it was very fascinating. So this film, not only is it entertaining and fun, but it's also a good entry point if you want to learn like how you make an art like stop motion animation. Uh, and it's, it's still like a, it's a fun blast of a movie. I, I do like revisiting it every so often. And um, I, <clears throat> I, I don't know what the sequel is going to be like, which, uh, but I can't imagine it's going to ever top the, the, the genius of this film. So it's Schindler's list, but with chickens. Yeah, exactly. It am I the only one with this on the list? I guess I am. So, because I didn't hear any sweep or nothing. But anyway, yeah, number five is Chicken Run. A fun time at the movies, guys. Corinne. So my number five. I'm honestly surprised it hasn't come up yet. Um, but this was the beginning of an era. Ladies and gentlemen. We are now seeing the beginnings of another stage of human evolution. The truth is that mutants are very real, and they are among us. We must know who they are, and above all, what they can do. We're not what you think, not all of us. Who are you people? What kind of place is this? Professor Charles Xavier. I built this school where mutants could learn to focus their powers in a positive way. 
and we'll also learn that mankind was not evil, just uninformed. You'll be safe here from Magneto, a very powerful mutant who believes that a war is brewing between mutants and the rest of humanity. There is a war coming. Be sure you're on the right side. future Charles not them they no longer matter hold on to something So my number five is X-Men. The first one. <laughs> Way back in the year 2000. Um, the year 2000. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do that a lot, aren't we? Mm -hmm. yeah. So finally I get to sweep somebody instead of being the one who is swept. But it's a... Uh, I haven't visited it in a while. But, I mean, obviously it's a great movie. And the cast that they got is pretty much perfect um, for their characters. You know, uh... Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, perfect. Wolverine needs to be shorter and Sir Patrick have his yellow Stewart costume. as uh, Professor X, and then Sir Ian McKellen as Magneto, also perfect. Um, and those two have like a great repartee, and obviously like they're great friends in real life. So you can see like the chemistry. I don't know if like this is where they became friends, but the chemistry really comes through in their dynamics. It, it kind of is, yeah. So huh? this is where they kind of start forming that bond. Makes mm -hmm. sense. Uh, two most important characters in the film. I mean, obviously Wolverine needed to be cool, but I mean the thread throughout them all is Charles and um, Magneto. So, yep, I agree. So I'm sure someone will talk about it a lot later. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, James, James is next. James, what's your introduce your number five film? All right, uh, my number five is uh now we're getting into movies that are like okay these are just genuinely some of my favorite movies of 2000 um so yeah my number five is uh is almost famous semi-autobiographical cameron crow film um about a young writer who's following a band as they're on tour in the early 1970s and um sort of about the you know the relationships there it's very much you know a coming of age story it's everything that i tend to love um uh, you know super memorable really great uh, i don't know what else there is to say about almost famous the music is great like if you haven't seen almost famous like go watch almost famous like come on look at that that's it that's my number five is almost famous done oh james you clever wordsmith you 
Uh, yeah, my uh, next one is actually the last movie um, that I get to introduce on this show. Uh, it is a, a really cool, I guess, look back at early Hollywood filmmaking, horror filmmaking. Um, God damn it. It's uh yeah, and it's it's gonna sweep somebody. Roll camera. Iris in. Begin. It's been a fitful night, but you wake refreshed. What is that beside you? It's a book about vampires. Nosferatu. Director F. W. Murnau had an obsession to create the world's most realistic vampire movie. Meet Count Orlok. The overture to our symphony of horrors. He dug up an actor. I'd like some makeup. Well, you don't get him. Who didn't just play the part. But you're not feeding. No, you're not drinking her blood. He lived it. What is the matter with you? Where did you find him, really? From Lionsgate Films and producer Nicolas Cage comes the haunting tale of the uncompromising. You, you will have no close-ups. Now. The unimaginable. Blood! Blood! And the undead. Academy Award nominees John Malkovich. I will finish my picture! And Willem Dafoe. This is hardly your picture any longer. Shadow of the Vampire. How dare you destroy my photographer? Why not the script girl? I'll eat her later. Uh, my number four is Shadow of the Vampire. Uh, uh, my, uh, my brain just stopped. Uh, what's uh, not Willem Dafoe? Willem Dafoe plays uh, a Nosferatu character, and the film's really fun because it kind of keeps you guessing on whether or not he's really a supernatural character or just a giant weirdo. Um, but um, uh, John Malkovich plays the tyrannical director uh, F.W. Murnau, who will do anything to get the picture done. Uh, and Sounds like a director I know. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and he will sacrifice anyone and everything to make the most revolutionary vampire picture ever. So, um, yeah. That's my number four, Shadow of the Vampire. I'm sure someone else on this podcast will go into more in-depth detail. <laughs> Doesn't about matter. It. Life is meaningless at this point, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I know, poor Zach. Um, my number four is I know no one else probably has this on their list. Um, it's a favorite film of mine. Is it on someone else's list? Oh, I was going to say. Um, and it's a, a hidden gem, I think, in this actor's overall filmography. And it doesn't get the credit it deserves. I think it's because it suffers a lot from being a 2000 film. But it's a lot of fun. I watched it really recently. I want you to ask yourself something. Do you remember anything after being scanned by my bodyguard? There's been a sixth day violation. How much does Gibson know? Who are you people? Open your eyes. Your family could get killed in the process. We won't have to lose our best people. We will finally be able to conquer death. Your family is not really your family. They're his. A human was cloned. That human was you. Kind of takes the fun out of being alive, doesn't it? 
Tell me why I'm a threat. The Supreme Court upheld the laws against human cloning. Why kill me and not the clone? You saw him. He didn't see you. Daddy? We found him. They'll do anything to destroy the evidence. And you're the evidence. He has a wife and kid, right? What are you gonna do? Take my life back. My number four film is Schwarzenegger's The Sixth Day, which deals with um, a corporation that is cloning people, and they have an ultimate goal of having clones rule the world by the evil Tony Goldwyn, who is also in Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. Um, but yeah, it's it's actually a really fun action movie. The trailer is not good. Um, it also has maybe my favorite exchange with Schwarzenegger. Um, he goes to the mad scientist's, like, thing and he's confronting him and Schwarzenegger says you know you should clone yourself while you're still alive and the scientist guy says why so I can better understand your unique position and he says no so you can go fuck yourself and then he kills him it's awesome um, but yeah the movie is actually really good um, it's it suffers a little bit from it being like a 2000 movie and the sci-fi elements but uh, I think it's a really underrated film in Schwarzenegger's career and yeah, it's just a fun movie. As you can tell, it's number four on my list. It's my fourth favorite film. Enjoy it. The Sixth Day. Henry? Number uh, four? Five? What are we on now? Four? 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 Yeah. Uh, I would tell you my number four, but unfortunately it's already been snatched up by Ryan. Yes! <laughs> uh, my number four Snatch, which is a film that was talked about earlier. Uh, the only thing I'll say about that, uh, that I think is fun is, uh, from a production note standpoint, apparently when early on in the development for the film, uh, Guy Ritchie and Brad Pitt knew they wanted to work together on the film and Brad Pitt just couldn't do an authentic enough Irish accent. So they just played that into the script and Guy Ritchie was like, we're just gonna make it so no one can understand your character whatsoever then. And they that's just played awesome. into it. And that's why his character has such like a fucked up accent throughout the <laughs> entire film. That's so funny. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, it's is not Brad just my number Pitt four. A really Ryan underrated already did a good job with it, so. Do you think Brad Pitt's a really underrated actor? I think he's gotten a lot of praise. I do. He doesn't get enough credit, I don't think. So. <laughs> it's cause, probably because he's so like good-looking and shit. We'll never forgive him for Cool World. <laughs> uh, all right, Zach, number four? My number four is a repeat. It's X-Men. <laughs> Yes, I love it. We just fucking Zach over. <laughs> yeah, this is this is this is everybody's revenge day on Zach. Um, no, um, I my dad took me to the theater for this one as well. Um, I was into X Men as a kid, with the cartoon being the primary primary point of contact. Um, and, and it still bothers me that that theme is not the theme of these movies. But whatever, it's fine. I'm not making these movies. Um, uh, yeah. I, I still appreciate this first film a lot. It's not the best X-Men movie, 
but it's my favorite one to go back to because the memory of seeing it in the theater was so strong. Um, I, when I was younger, I was a big Cyclops fan. And then when I watched this movie, I became a Wolverine fan. Um, as I've gotten older, my favorite X-Men's to watch are, uh, the ones where Charles and, uh, Magneto are the primary, like the primary discussions and you're not dealing with all the other X-Men. So like they, they, Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen, them playing these characters is one of the main reasons I go back to this series in general. Um, so it, it's, it still works on a, on a fun blockbustery kind of level. I like that the story is kind of small stakes compared to what we get down the line. So there's kind of a nice, it, it, this and X2 work on a similar level where the, the stakes are not as high as they end up becoming when it comes to like time travel and having apocalypse involved and whatnot. So I appreciate that these kind of, these smaller scale X-Men films where they're dealing with a more internal problem. Uh, Zach, the scales of this film are that he's trying to kill all humans. <laughs> kill all humans is not the same as time travel to disrupt the past in order to change the present that they're in or having apocalypse, the world's first mutant trying to destroy everything ever. It's th apocalypse is technically a bigger threat than what Magneto. I, I well, Let's not, like, downplay that. You're talking about, like, the scales are that they can't make it to class on time. When the <laughs> scales are, like, the genocide of the human race. Well, the so, worst one's about trying to turn them into mutants. So that's not even... The which, which would eliminate humans, in a way. In a way, yeah. Well, and I think it's... I don't think it's, like, just the... Like, it's only the people who are at the, like, special event, right? It's, like, world leaders and stuff. It's not everyone, because the, the weapon has a limited range. Yeah. But anyway, to me, it feels small scale compared to what we get down the line. So, yeah. Um, and yeah, Hugh Jackman is a great Wolverine. He doesn't need to be short. It doesn't fucking matter. It's a movie. So, yeah, my number four is X-Men. And let's talk about how stupid of a title X2 X-Men United is. Anyways... Okay. <laughs> See, that's the thing. X-Men United is not in the title itself. That's just something for promotional purposes. They just call it X2 in the movie, so. Corinne, number four? My number four is also a repeat. Or, uh, it's a castaway. Nice. So, my mom nice. is a really nice. big Tom Hanks fan. Everybody and I, uh, yeah, everyone. <laughs> I mean, She's like, really, really big Tom Hanks fan. Uh, I remember... Like, around this time, like, around when Castaway came out, she was watching, like, every Tom Hanks movie that existed up to that nice. point. Like, we watched Splash, we watched, well, obviously, the Toy Story movies and everything. Well, I guess the, yeah, the first two were out by that point, but. Dragnet. Probably. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, nice. So, obviously, we had to watch Castaway, because Tom Hanks was in it. And it's a really great movie. It's, it, it's like a, what. Brad or Ryan said earlier that it's both depressing but also uplifting. And oh, uh, well, I said don't let me with Brad. I don't remember who said it. Sorry, <laughs> it's been so long ago now. It's been one movie ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's I actually really appreciate the fact that the movie does not end when he gets rescued. That you get a good like half hour, yeah, forty five minutes where he gets to come back he transitions back into like quote normal life and you see like how difficult that is for him you see how his um time on the island really impacted his psyche 
and his routines like the that shot in the trailer where he's like lying on the floor and he's like turning the lights off and on um because he can't sleep on the bed anymore because he's not used to it and of course it always bothered me that the he never opens the one package with the design with the wings on it because i mean you know everyone's like oh it could have been something that would have really helped him like a radio or whatever and i'm like uh i mean well it probably would have been something stupid like a dress like uh art thing or like uh you know metal or something but no i i think it's important in the story for him not to open it because that's him holding on to hope that he can get back to a normal life by delivering it and so at the end of the movie when he delivers it it's kind of the finality of his life on the island and his trauma of that plane crash so to me i think it makes perfect sense why he doesn't open it right but of course I'm sitting here like Brad Pitt in Seven, like, what's in the fucking box? (laughs) You know? A flashlight. (laughs) I mean, it might have been something stupid like that or, you know, like clothing, or it could have been something helpful. And, of course, we just will never know because he never opens it. But It's a DVD of what lies beneath. And, I mean, like, even the ice skates, like, you know, obviously you wouldn't think, like, ice skates are going to help him in a tropical environment, but he ends up using them for, like, shoes, and then he uses it for, like, the the uh, tooth surgery and everything that he performs on his on himself so yeah. you know he makes it work and um it's a very just yeah it's kind of heart-wrenching and obviously like you'd never think that a scene with a volleyball floating away in the water is gonna break your heart but it fucking does I know. that's because tom hanks well said. i mean you know you bring up tom hanks he sells it oh if, absolutely if you if you're not he's i mean Tom'd he's alone in the movie for like maybe 70% of the runtime. Yeah. It's just him. He's amazing. Yeah. So, Castaway. Great movie. Brad? Oh, wait. Sorry. James, tell me what your number four is. Uh, my number four, uh, I... Um, I'll just say, I already know has been swept. Fuck you, Zach. Uh, my number four is Gladiator. So yeah, I I think Gladiator is um, a fantastic film. I think the it, you know it d- doesn't necessarily kick off um, the that sort of epic film, right? It's not the original of those, but there was definitely a whole stream of them afterwards that were all sort of chasing the popularity of Gladiator. Um, it, it's it's a uh, maybe a high point for Ridley Scott for sure. I mean, I think he's got a lot of high points, but he's also got some lows. Um, I think uh, it's just a great film. Uh, it's a good story, an amazing villain, like really well told. Um, some uh, good uh, good use of CGI early on in, in its popularity. So uh, yeah, I think Gladiator, again, some of those that just have less to say about them. So number four, Gladiator, watch it. Duh. Uh, thanks, James, for your wonderful insight into Gladiator. You made me want to watch the movie again. Brad, <laughs> your number three. Uh, my number three is a repeat. Uh, my number three is X Men, um, and it's on this list so high because I didn't grow up with X Men, uh, so I was just. I just went to see a cool movie and, you know, found out how awesome Wolverine is. And, you know, the next day at school, you know, me and my friends are running around the theater stage, uh, pretending to be Wolverine, like nice. popping claws on each other. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a big movie for us in 2000. 
It's a good one. Yeah, I'm kind of like you, Brad. I never watched the cartoons or anything else, but it is a good entry into the X-Men universe. Yeah, and um, yeah, a lot of the digital effects have not aged well, but uh, I mean, this and Blade, (laughs) like, get us to where we are today. Yep. Um, So, got to respect the first X-Men movie. Uh, My number three is a superhero movie that hasn't been talked about. Some clowns were never funny. (laughs) Some villains you never forget. He died years ago. You're sure? I was there. Some heroes will never back down. Go to work. The Joker is back, and it's no laughing matter. (laughs) He's got a new crew. On the double. A new game. A lot has changed while your old Uncle Joker's been away. New Gotham, new rules, even a new Batman. I'm ready to give this old town a wetty again. Now the world's newest Dark Knight needs answers. What can you tell me about clowns? Drop it, kid. You'll have to stand alone. You're out of your league. I know every trick the original Batman and Robin knew at their peak. To face a vengeful menace from the past, whose day is about to dawn again. Let's dance. Beyond Return of the Joker, the first feature-length Batman Beyond movie. Now available exclusively on video cassette and DVD. This time, the Joker is wild. <laughs> uh, number three for me is Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. Um, I'm a sucker for the Batman animated films because I think they do such a great job of conveying the comic books and... Uh, telling stories that maybe they wouldn't tell in live action stuff. Uh, the story of Batman Beyond the Return of the Joker is the Joker comes back after he supposedly killed uh, in a battle with Batman, and uh, and Terry McGinnis has to figure out uh, not only how the Joker's back but who he is. The twist in the film is shocking. The story about what happened to Batman in his last fight with the Joker is shocking. Um, it's it's a disturbing movie and uh but it's also fun i mean it's told obviously it's a cartoon so there's fun batman action stuff but if you haven't seen it i'm not going to spoil the movie because the twist in it is amazing and it's really dark and you know i really got into it uh because i i really love harley quinn and she's in it for a little bit um (laughs) unfortunately and uh but no and the rest of the film is great i mean you get mark hamill kevin conroy and it's a it's a really well made film. It's like the perfect marriage between the Batman animated series and the Batman Beyond yeah. series because it yeah. takes elements from both. I mean, it's it's set in Batman Beyond, but you flash back to different yeah. things that happened around the time of the Batman animated series. Yeah, and like I said, I'm a sucker for the Batman animated films. My last film, Explosion, I had Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on it. I just really enjoy them. And I said, because they tell stories that they wouldn't tell in live action stuff. 
and you should really seek out this film. I I don't know if it's on HBO Max, but um, you can get the Blu-ray, and it's it's totally worth it. Oh yeah, Batman Beyond's a great show too. Um, yeah, so Batman Beyond: The Return of the Joker. Um, Henry, number three. My number three film was one of the greatest dance films of all time, and that's this film. Right then, lads, now give it all you got. Round one. Well, don't just stand there, Elliot. Inside every one of us is a special talent waiting to come out. The trick is finding it. of the Royal Ballet School. Aren't you a bit old, miss? Not me, you. The Royal Ballet? Have you any idea what we're going through? To my son, Billy, I know it must seem like a distant memory to you, and I will have missed seeing you grow, missed you crying and laughing. Always be yourself. I love you forever. Mom. This fall. He may be a genius for all we know. Let's give the boy a chance. <laughs> the producers of Four Weddings and a Funeral, Elizabeth and Notting Hill, invite you to experience the triumph of a dream that changed everyone it touched. Yeah, so my number three is Billy Elliot. Uh, I think it's uh, I think Jamie Bell is one of the most underrated uh, actors currently working today. Uh, he this is kind of how you got to start, and I usually hate kid actors, and that should prove to you how much I like this film, considering it's a child actor lead. Uh, but I think it's a great film. I think it's a great dance film. I think it's a very good, heartbreaking, heartwarming kind of tale. Uh, I won't talk much else about it, but obviously, if you're into musicals or into dance stuff or you're into just feel-good movies that will tug at the heartstrings. This is obviously one that I would very strongly recommend. Zach! Um, so my number three is a repeat. It's Castaway. Um, this is another film we got to see in the theater. Um, I think partially because Tom Hanks, because my dad liked Tom Hanks, but I, I'm not sure exactly why he would have taken us to see this this young, but um, but it's it's still a very powerful and uh, emotionally devastating film once you get a certain point into the movie. Like I remember crying as a kid when he could, when Wilson floated away because because you get emotionally invested in his isolation and also the connection that he has made with this volleyball. Like it is it is pretty remarkable. Like I think only 
somebody as likable as Tom Hanks alone on that island can get you to that emotional point. Um, and it's well directed. It's obviously well acted. It's well shot. Um, uh, the tooth where he has to take out his tooth, like where he has to uh, get his own tooth out that's infected. It fucking terrified me. Um, uh, but so, yeah. Um, uh, anyway, it, it's a wonderful film. Um, I think that if you haven't seen Castaway, you you owe it to yourself to do this. Like Robert Zemeckis doesn't necessarily make the greatest movies anymore, but he still he's a he's a powerful filmmaker that you should watch, and this is a good example of that. Alongside obviously his other works like Back to the Future and Back to the Future Part Two and Three. So yeah, Castaway. Um, Corinne. Number three. My number three is a repeat. Thanks, yeah. James. Thanks, James. Uh, it's Emperor's New Groove. Uh, I think this is like a like like Ryan was saying. This is a very underrated Disney movie. I think the art style is so unique. Yeah. Um. You know, I could see like a f- just a single frame of this movie, and I would be able to tell what you know, it, it is right away. The art of it, it reminds me they blend kind of um, Disney's classic Lion King and stuff with Hercules. To get kind of an angular, uh, cutesy animal vibe, and it's—I mm-hmm. mean, it's animated beautifully. I miss hand-drawn animation so much. Me too. Um, but yeah, it's—I think it's also interesting because it's a buddy comedy. Um, yeah. so it kind of breaks away from the Disney mold. It's not like adventure. Well, I mean, it is adventure, but it's not like something like Treasure Planet that's like a, an adventure movie. Yeah. Um, and it's not a princess movie, um, but it's, you know, it's kind of more coming of age slash buddy comedy. Um, Cusco is the emperor and he gets turned into a llama by Yzma, who's played by Eartha Kitt, who's awesome. This is a phenomenal voice cast. Eartha Kitt plays Yzma, um, you know, Patrick Warburton plays Kronk and you got David Spade and John Goodman playing the leads. It's Super yeah. underrated and overlooked, and well, Kronk was so popular so... they made his own movie. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, he got his own TV show too. Yeah. But um, this, you know, it's so many good jokes in the movie. So many, just like the timing in it is so good, and it goes by really quick. Because you know, I rewatched this a couple weeks back, and you know, I paused it at some point, and I was like, oh my gosh, like we're way more than halfway through this movie, and. It's yeah, it's a it's really just quick and and a fun watch, and yeah. you know it's a one of my favorite scenes in all of Disney is at the very end of the movie when Yzma gets turned into the cat and she's got the squeaky voice, <laughs> and she's like, "Is that my voice?" <laughs> oh well, <laughs> I'm not going to drop it, you fool. I'm going to drink it, and once I turn back into my beautiful self, I'm going to. Kill you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Eartha Kid just had a freaking blast in this movie. Wasn't the first time she played Catwoman? That's right. Yeah. So, Emperor's New Groove, check it out if you've not seen it in a while or haven't seen it ever. Nice. It's on Disney Plus. It is. Or you can watch a Blu ray like I have. And not <laughs> not get everybody the, has Blu rays, Ryan. And not get the bandwidth problems. Uh, is Yeah, James has a new one for us. Nice. James, introduce number three. Uh, so my number three is one of the movies here that I have maybe the most passion for. Um, my three, f- my one, two, and three are all some of my favorite films of all time. Um, easily in my top 100, probably all three of them in my top 
50 even. Um, like I adore all three of these films and picking between them was painful. Uh, and so honestly, the only reason why my number three is as low as it is, is, is almost because of like, it's almost getting hurt because of its genre and the the caliber of people behind it so my the movies above it are made by you know masters of cinema and so my number three is my number three for that reason uh which is dumb my number three is high fidelity my store is called championship vinyl can't fire them. I hired these guys for three days a week and they just started showing up every day. That was four years ago. Rob Gordon has a successful business and a dedicated following. I used to go to the double door to hear you spin. You were unbelievable. But when it comes to dating... Hi. Hi. Is this Penny Hardwood? Hi, Caroline. He's still searching. Are you in or out, Rob? I'm sorry? Are you in or out, Rob? I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. For the right woman. What's your name? Laura! Now his search may have ended, <laughs> but his problems just started. And I like you with Laura. I don't think much of this Ian guy. What Ian guy? You've got to be kidding me. The Touchstone Pictures die. presents... How's Ian? He's growing on me. He looks like he could grow on something. John Cusack, Jack Black, Lisa Bonet, Joan Cusack, Eben Yila, Tim Robbins, Lily Taylor, and Catherine Zeta-Jones. Based on the international best-selling novel... Are you gonna line that flower bed all night? No. High Fidelity. I'm looking for a record for my daughter. I just called to say I love you. Do we look like the kind of store that tells I just called to say I love you? Go to the mall. What's your problem? Do you even know your daughter? There's no way she likes that song. Oh, oh, oh. Is she in a coma? Uh, so High Fidelity is a Stephen Frears film. I, I think it's the best romantic comedy ever made. Um, period. Uh, it tells the story of a guy, uh, Rob, who's, who's constantly breaking the fourth wall and, and, and talking to the camera and he's running down his list of top breakups of, of all time um, because he's just broken up with his girlfriend. And it's really a great romantic comedy because Rob is an asshole. Like, Rob is not a great boyfriend and Rob is not a great person and Rob does need to really learn a lot throughout the movie and he's in being introspective and talking frankly with us and admitting very honestly what he's done wrong you watch him start to turn and you see how he's coming to grips with the fact that this is really his fault um and it's not that that's not to say that like in any relationship there's not blame on both sides but in this case so much of the problem here is his inability to grow up and the cycle that he's caught in and there's a lot of really great lessons that he learns and tries to teach to you the viewer um throughout the film um i i think it's a brilliant movie 
I think it's constantly fun. I think that it's still the best thing Jack Black's ever done. And that's not a knockup against Jack Black. It's just that Jack Black steals every scene that he's in. Um, but the thing that I really want to draw attention to about this movie that it is why I say it's the best romantic comedy of all time is because this movie has a fourth act. So you, you can take plenty of romantic comedies and go pick a good one. And you have that same story of guy's not the best guy he could be, has to learn some lessons, in the end learns the lessons, gets the girl back, happy ever after credits. This movie has that structure. Except that after he gets the girl back, he goes back into the cycle. He has this chance meeting with a writer who thinks he's cute and fun and he flirts with her and he has that thing where he's like, oh, this is where I would normally jump off. This is where I would normally be like, cool, I'm going to date this girl instead. And he, you get to see him actually shift. You get to see him choose not to do that thing anymore. There's even a scene where like he's making her a mixtape and Laura, his girlfriend walks in and she knows what that means. And he realizes that's wrong. And then there's this big speech at the end where he, you know, tells Lori, he's like, this is my fault. I get in this cycle. I make this mistake. This is what I constantly think is going to happen. But in reality, this is how relationships look, I think. And, and you watch him actually learn the lesson and apply it. And that makes it the greatest romantic comedy of all time because it actually achieves something different so uh, my number three high fidelity like with a bullet just an amazing amazing movie constantly fun uh don't watch it with your kids that's it number three yeah really watching that trailer i do really like that movie and i haven't seen it recently enough so i don't know if i could put it somewhere on my list where maybe it belonged but it's it is a really fun movie and is that the they said Jack Black like he's been in movies before. I don't even remember what he would be in before that. Uh, it, he's been in stuff prior. I think like the first time I saw him in a movie that would have been prior to this would have been Dead Man Walking. Yeah, he's he's really great in this movie. He's definitely in uh, Mr. Show before this. Oh, that's right. But it's good stuff. Yeah. Thanks, James. All right, my number two is another repeat. Uh, it is Castaway. Nice. Um, yeah, I I adored this movie when it came out. Um, I really tried to rewatch it before the show, and I didn't get around to it. But um, I just remember it. I could just watch the movie of Tom Hanks living on the island for two hours yeah. plus. Like it reminds me of Wally. Yeah. Where my favorite part of the w- Wally is just Wally alone on our trash planet. <laughs> um, just doing mundane things like it's so fascinating so um and yeah everyone else kind of talked about all the other great points about it so but that's my favorite part yeah no i agree and you know we talked about because tom hanks is maybe the only actor that could sell that and you believe him and also it's kind of fun there at the very beginning like when he's first trying to survive and like when he makes fire for the first time and he is just so overjoyed. He's like, I've made fire. <laughs> yeah, and you know, even now, just the little things that um, he appreciates, and how hard they made they work to make that movie. Because now, 
they would just CGI Tom Hanks losing all that weight, but they stopped production. He lost all that weight, and they came back and finished. So it's um, yeah. I think after he knocks his tooth out, that's the transition to where yeah. he's standing on the rock, right? Yeah. And he's like super thin. He's like Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's some dedication to the craft so, right there. Yeah. So he worked his ass off. He was Christian Baling before Christian Bale did it. <laughs> Too right. Yeah. Yeah. Christian Bale watched Castaway. He's like, God, I got to step up my game. Yeah, I got I got an idea for my next five movies. <laughs> I can't just keep doing this Jim Carrey impression in American Psycho. <laughs> uh, my number two, I love that I've swept so many people, and then my like top movies, no one's picking because it makes me fills my heart with joy. Um, so my number two is by my favorite director. Um, it is a horror film, murder mystery, um, but it's also a really interesting human drama. Rosemary's Baby. Dracula 2000. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it stars one of my favorite actresses, and she's amazing in the movie. And it also has a turn by a, a really great uh, comedic and action star that you might not s- expect. My number two is... In a small southern town... In the quiet heart of Hatcher County. It's about this time last year his daddy passed away. He's still real messed up over it. There are no strangers. You're not that Wilson is a fortune teller, are you? I don't call myself that. You think we'll live happily ever after? There are no secrets. What's the matter? You see something bad? And the only thing more unusual than a disappearance. We got to the end of the road in our investigation. We looked under every rock there's to look under. Is there anything you can tell us at all? Is that the only witness wasn't even there? I can read for you. I'm seeing a split rail fence in a pond. I can smell flowers. Leave them to leave folks alone. Can you see what I'm thinking? Can you, can you see that in the car? There's something bad wrong with me. If I go The real danger begins if someone starts worrying that you're going to have another one of your dreams. Nominee Kate Blanchett, Giovanni Ribisi, Keanu Reeves, Katie Holmes, with Academy Award nominee Greg Kinnear, and Academy Award winner Hilary Swank. I got a warning today. I think somebody's gonna try and kill me. Messing with the devil's gonna get you burned. The gift from director Sam Raimi. Uh, yeah, number two is uh, for me is a movie called The Gift. It's uh, a little lesser known Sam Raimi film uh, written by Billy Bob Thornton. Um, it's about uh, Kate Blanchett plays a lady who reads cards. So she has um, extrasensory abilities. Um, she's a single mom because her husband died. And um, it, it's an interesting film because it has horror elements, but there's also a murder mystery. And then there's a courtroom drama. 
and uh, Giovanni Ribisi, he plays a, a, a troubled young man and his story is really tragic in it. Um, it's a really, it's a really great movie and it's the performances are amazing. I mentioned in my opening uh, about an action star, Keanu Reeves does a drama dramatic turn in this. That is shocking. And it's great. He plays an abusive husband to Hillary Swank and uh, he's the number one suspect in this film. And it's, um, it has some Raimi flourishes to it, but it's also has a lot of his simple plan where he kind of scales back. Um, but yeah, it's it's not a very well known Raimi film, but it's a great film, and of course I love it because also it's Raimi and Kate Blanchett. I absolutely adore Kate Blanchett, and she's amazing in this film. I think it's undervalued. It's way it's way too undervalued for the movie that it's pulling off. Like it, it's it. I, I I rewatched it after you loaned it to me, and it is very surprising, like how this kind of fell under the radar for him and for uh, a lot of the talent involved. Yep. So yeah, I. Uh... I like the gift. It's it's a gift to movie goers. <laughs> um, is uh, <laughs> uh, Henry's next movie is a new one. Cool, Henry, introduce it for us. Uh, yeah, my number two film is uh one of my favorite films of all time. I think it's a very serious film that I think we should seriously take a look at. Cause I think it's a very influential film. And my number three film, or my number two film, sorry, is this. Last night, Jesse and Chester had the most unforgettable time of their lives. But this morning... Dude, where's my car? They can't remember a thing. It's Chrissy Boner, the hottest of the hot. Hi, Jesse. I had a really good time with you last night. Uh, have you seen my car? Well, I saw the back seat. Oh, I'm talking about the whole thing. Now, the only way to find their car. No way we were here last night. Look, it's Jesse and Chester. <laughs> is to find out what they did and who they did it to. Dude, you're a dude! Last night. You guys got more important things to worry about. Where were you between the hours of midnight and 2 a.m.? We don't remember. recipients of instructions from outer space last night you were in possession of the continuum transfunctional hey have you guys ever been to uranus go ahead and laugh we are used to being mocked okay <laughs> are you jesse and chester i don't know why perhaps we will give you pleasure that's us right here if you give us the continuum transfunctional 20th century fox presents the ultimate it's llama in high adventure you got a tattoo so what did you do it oh, what am i tattoo say sweet what about mine dude what does mine say sweet what about mine dude what does mine say sweet dude where's my car what does mine say? So we What about mine? Dude! What does mine say? Sweet! 
So yeah, my number two film was Dude, Where's My Car, which I think is a very serious film that I think people should really look into and see the dark history behind, because I think it's saying a very deep thing that we often don't question ourselves. Where is our car? Where is my car? Where is your car? It's really these philosophical questions that really make me question, who am I as a person? And Dude, Where's My Car really does help me find that within myself and makes me question... Was I the car all the all along the way? But that's just me. I don't know. Dude, where's my car? I strongly recommend it. It's my number two film. That makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I was talking during the trailer. Um, it's so stupid, but it's one of those movies that's so stupid, it's pretty funny. I think it falls apart in the third act, but it's still pretty ridiculously funny. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good film. Uh, Zach, number two. Yeah. My number two is a repeat. It's Shadow of the Vampire. Um, yeah, uh, it's about old-timey Hollywood, uh, specifically before even Hollywood, because it's not. It's the it's German Expressionism. Um, no, I, I, I really appreciate the inventiveness of taking the making of Nosferatu and turning it into this sort of what-if scenario with the regard of having Max Schreck be a vampire himself. Um and it, it it helps that the two performances by Malkovich and Defoe are absolutely spellbinding to watch. It 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 feels like the movie's way too short for what it should be, but everything still works. Everything's in place. Um, I think the script is fantastic. I think this is my favorite Willem Defoe movie to go back to. That's not a Spider Man movie. Um, I don't know if it's his best performance, but it's among the best performances he's ever given. Um, and I do appreciate what Malkovich brings to the role of like that stereotypical tyrannical director of the early silent period that does anything to get his shot to the point of sacrificing crew members. And the film does a very good job of achieving true German expressionism in its film um, with the way it shoots certain scenes. The, the ending itself is has a really great dark tone to it that it's one of those beautiful, beautifully shot endings where you kind of just end on that note of the film finishing with Shrek going up in flame or getting defeated. Like it's just, it's fantastic. Um, I wish there was a Blu-ray of this movie. Um, that I've only been able to find a DVD and a digital copy, which kind of sucks. But I think it's a, it's a film that Lionsgate needs to stop being a baby about and give to another label like scream or um, vinegar syndrome or whatever they got to do to give it, uh, give it a proper release. So, so yeah, number two, shadow of the vampire. Very good movie. Very cool. Corinne, number two, I get to introduce my number two. Oh, didn't shit. get swept. Um, I don't know. It's just, uh... this first appeared on the Disney channel in, in uh, March no. of 2000. No, it did not. <laughs> Emergency official business, ma'am. Hey, 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 get lost. FBI, you might want to stay out of this, all right, sir? All right, I would like... Oh, Eight double tall lattes, one with no phone. Special agent Gracie Hart is as tough as nails. She's got a lot of rage. <laughs> and she's completely unpolished. <laughs> Honey, hmm? are you a lesbian? Dad, I wish... 
But when the FBI needs an undercover agent... The bombers picked another target. We have ourselves a national emergency. It's the Miss United States pageant. The only man for the job <laughs> is a woman. You do a few butt-shaping exercises, you tighten this up, you can pull this off. You know what? Pull this off. Let's go, girl. These people want to put one of their agents in the pageant. Do you have an agent in mind? <laughs> Sorry. She doesn't look the part. There's no way on earth that I can make this woman ready in two days. She's Dirty Harriet. She doesn't act the part. Come on, have some midnight chow and some uh, girl talk. We can't have pizza and beer. It's light beer and she's gonna throw it up anyway. She doesn't want the part. I'm not gonna parade around in a swimsuit like some airhead bimbo. Describe your perfect date. I'd have to say April 25th. But she's about to prove anything is possible. I have gel in my hair. I haven't slept all night. I'm starved and I'm armed. Don't mess with me. Ooh, I'm fine. This December. You're doing a great job. Do you think I'm cool? Just you want to date me? Get ready. Gun! Gun! Everybody down! For the new face of the FBI. Of course he had a gun. This is Texas. Everybody has a gun. My florist has a gun. Miss Congeniality. What is the one thing our society needs? World peace. World peace. World peace. Harsher punishment for parole violators, Stan. And world peace. So my number two is Miss Congeniality. And... You know, I'm not like that movie <laughs> missed the mark for me. <laughs> I'm a dad. I have dad. Jokes get out of your own house, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just go ahead and get out. Um, I'm definitely not an authority on feminism. And obviously there are different thoughts within like the feminist, you know, I don't know if philosophy is not the right word for it, but within feminist thought, there are different uh, opinions and, and different viewpoints. So, but I just appreciate that this movie um, really emphasizes, like, the importance of sisterhood and, like, women coming together and working with each other. And this idea that Sandra Bullock's character, she she doesn't feel like, like a woman. Um, <laughs> you know, she feels like she has to be very masculine in order to succeed. And she is able to get in touch with her feminine side. And, you know, she has to, like, wear the swimsuits and the dresses and all this. But really, her transformation comes about because she becomes friends with the women in the pageant. And she sees that it's not just about, like, the pageantry. It's about women being able to express themselves in the way that they want. Um, and I, I have my own opinions on pageantry. But um, it's just a, it's an interesting and fun movie um i i I think it's really it's a really funny movie and there's a lot of great moments of course the very end of the movie spoilers if you've never seen it where um she's trying to take the crown from her new best friend after she wins and the crown has the explosive on it and there's just like this huge fight going on on the stage and william shatner's character who's like the announcer for the pageant he just keeps you know doing his thing and you know then there's like this huge explosion and he's like uh she's miss united states and he's just he's just like trying to so hard to keep the show going despite all the 
just gigantic explosions and fights and everything that's going on. So uh, this was also probably my first introduction to Michael Caine and Sandra Bullock as actors. Um, I don't know if I've seen them in anything before this. So it's a really fun movie. My mom loves it. I've, I've seen this movie a lot because my mom adores this movie. And I go, yeah, it's all right. It's uh. It, when I did a fitness cinema for it, I think last year or the year before, like the response to it was insane, and I hadn't watched it in a while. I I, I think it's fine. It's 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 a fine movie. Like it it just wasn't like something I'm gonna go rewatch constantly. I remember my um one of my boyfriends and I had a discussion about like chick flicks, and I think I asked him like, "What's your favorite chick flick?" And he said, "Miss Congeniality." Um, he's like, "Well, you know, it's it's an action movie." You know, they, they they fight, they shoot guns and stuff. It's, you know, it's an action movie, really. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, you just put like a mind. I was thinking, like, what is my favorite chick flick? It's an action movie, com- or it's an action comedy movie. And um, also, I think the part where, so her talent in the show is she's able to uh, play the, the glasses that she does the, I forget what they call it, but. You know, the part where, like, the glasses resonate and she turns it into, like, a performance. Um, But then there's, like, this good joke at the very end of the show where the other girls start drinking her glasses so she can't do her usual talent. So she ends up doing a self-defense demonstration, which, you know, I always really appreciated. And I do think that more people in general, but women specifically, should take self-defense classes because those are very important for anyone, but especially for women and other people who are considered vulnerable in society. Agreed. So number two, Miss Congeniality. Is this a repeat? James is a repeat, but he's going to tell us about... Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, so, Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou, which, God damn it, if, Zach, you put this lower on your list, you, you shit heel of a human being. I love you. Um, I, I just won't... Yeah. Um, oh, brother, where art thou? Is uh, seminal. It, it's it's an amazing Coen Brothers film. Uh, it is uh, so unique and different, um, and fun. Like it's one of the best George Clooney movies ever, and is a very different George Clooney than you've ever seen him. Every scene of this movie is so entertaining. Uh, I just actually, Brooks had never seen it. So we watched it at home recently and like first viewing, she was just super into it and, and really enjoying this very different kind of a thing. Um, it is a memorable experience for sure. Uh, there's not, not much to say about it other than just that you need to watch it. Um, if you just saw that trailer and the fact that it's a Coen Brothers movie doesn't make you want to watch it right now, then I don't know why you're listening. Um, so y- yeah. Oh, brother, where art thou? It's, it's just the best. And the music is awesome. Like, holy shit. Um, yeah. So that's number two. Thanks James. As always eloquent. I really wonder if he actually is eloquent. What oh, if he I, was just like, yeah, it's a good movie? You know, <laughs> you know the one thing I will say, uh, James is really good at convincing me to watch movies. <laughs> I will say that. Because um, he sells movies very well. I clearly am not, since you've never seen Crazy Rich Asians, Ryan. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's free on HBO Max, but I'm like, meh. 
Brian, I've given you the so suggestion weird. of a Carol Lombard movie, and you just don't won't still won't do it. <laughs> so, if we ever want Ryan to watch a movie, we'll have to have James. Yeah, have James to, sell do the it persuading. To me. Man, well, if, let's just pay if, James if, to suggest our suggestions to, to Ryan. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Brad, We're going to sign this for him. Uh, no, Brad. I was, made it to number one. I was just—I was just gonna say—you have to like do that trick you do with dogs to like get them to eat their food. So like you have to wrap Ryan's broccoli movies in, <laughs> in like a hamburger. Yeah, I mean sandwich in between, you know, Friday Thirteenth, the final chapter, then Crazy Rich Asians, and then Dawn of the Dead, and then like how Ron them. Swanson eats a banana. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, I'll take one of those. <laughs> May I have another, please? Is <laughs> Brad your number one? Yep, my number one is a repeat. Uh, you know, probably in 2000, if you'd asked me, my, my number one definitely would have been X-Men. But, you know, 20 years later, here I am thinking, like, maybe Unbreakable is uh, my number one movie. So, Oh, I totally fucked you? Huh? Over? Yeah. I'm well, oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I didn't expect my, like, most of my movies to, like, most of my list got <laughs> screwed over. So, uh, yeah, no big deal. Um, but, yeah, Unbreakable, uh, obviously, I... When Glass came out, there was a revival of uh, Split and and this, and I got to watch you know all of them together, and just seeing Unbreakable, like it's it like it just seems like every shot of that movie is meticulously planned out. Yeah. Um, everything has a purpose, and I like it's a little quieter. It's, it's not... so yeah, it's so nuanced, yeah. It's, and it, yeah, it's slow, but it, like it just because everything has such meaning and mystery to it, and. It's just such a like a fun experience for like for someone who likes comic book movies mm-hmm. uh, to see something go the other way. Like this is probably the first thing I've ever seen be like a counterculture yeah. uh, to like mainstream superheroes. You know, mm-hmm. in the same year that we have X Men, which I was also unfamiliar with, it was just cool to be like, you know, you grew up with Batman and DC and Marvel heroes, and at that time it, there was just like, of course, everyone has a secret identity, and like everyone has to wear a costume. Like these are just like things that superheroes have to have and unbreakable doesn't do that um it shows you a world where like this is plausible if you can believe you know a man has super strength and uh impervious skin and um the twist with mr glass you know it seems obvious now but back then i was just yeah i never saw that coming and i should have because it's obviously so if you you understand superheroes (laughs) um that makes so much more sense um so yeah it's just such a like it, it I, I I haven't seen Shyamalan be like make anything that's just that like seems that thought out. Agreed. I mean, I think it's since, his best movie. Yeah, e- easily his best movie. And I think he like even had it like on deck even before Sixth Sense hit big. Yeah, I so, mean, he'd have to have a big hit movie to make a film like Unbreakable. Yeah, because you, even though it was popular, I mean, that's a tough sell. I think once people got to the theater and it. It is slow, but I mean, it moves by, but it's slow. You know, it's meticulous. Yeah. And then people realize, like, oh, this isn't like the sixth sense. This is. Yeah. And X-Men, it wasn't big yet either. So you got to come as a studio. Yeah. Like, I'm going to make a superhero movie. And I'm sure they're thinking like, oh, like Batman and Robin. Yeah. Um, and you're wondering if Touchstone just gave him carte blanche because the sixth sense made so much money. Yeah. And they said, okay, yeah, you can make whatever film you want next. Yeah. This seems weird, but, you know, you spend yeah. a buttload of money on Sixth Sense, so do what you want. Yep. I mean, yeah, you're right. As far as the superhero genre goes, it really 
stands out because it is so quiet and these are unique characters Mm -hmm. it's not like your big marvel movie where it's like all these characters that at least you know comic book fans already know of you know black panther iron man whatever but it's like these are completely unique characters and um it's a completely different world yeah like that scene where he's bench pressing and just like the camera like gets locked on the barbell and Mm -hmm. uh just like really it's just directed so well yeah except i will admit the ending sucks (laughs) yeah like it just feels like they ran out of money to finish the movie when you put <laughs> up a card Python that explains. They holy grailed it. <laughs> but, you know, when you actually read interviews with Shyamalan, because when he made Glass, he talks about how he never wanted to have a big spectacle. So it's the yeah. ending he wanted. Well, I think, like, David Dunn could just walk out of the frame and, like, yeah. it could just faded to black and I would have been, like, sure. fine with it. I, sure. I, I appreciate the sincerity, too, that he brings to it, because and that because that's the key thing that he does that separates it from superhero movies at that time prior to it existing and also X-Men existing is like there is a huge sincerity to these characters that doesn't fully exist in the films prior to it. It seems like it's a risk like the opposite Responding to Batman and Robin, but like deciding to like counterculture and just like instead of this like colorful, bombastic, just over the top craziness, it's like this is quiet, this is slow, this is just kind of muted. It's yeah, it's very much its own thing, I think. It probably like looks the best of his movies. I forget what, mm-hmm. who his uh, DP is, but yeah, just yeah, the it, it's shot on film, so that's a plus already, but just. It, that that muted like desaturated look that like a lot of films like even payback had a couple years before that or in this movie it just looks so good yeah uh like way better than glass so that's my number one uh my number one might shock people you know i usually pick crazy things um but this is a little more small scale um but it has a lot of themes that i like about betrayal and losing loved ones. So, uh, my number one film of 2000 is. I have long feared that my sins would return to visit me. And the cost is more than I can bear. A past he wanted to forget. I've been to war, and I have no desire to do so again. I have seven children. I do not wish to leave them fatherless. A family threatened by war. We have to do something. I forbid you to go! My child! You're my child! A son fighting for his beliefs. Father, I thought you were a man of principle. When you have a family of your own, perhaps you'll understand. When I have a family of my own, I won't hide behind them. Hang him for his body on display. Colonel, I beg you, by the rules of war. Would you like a lesson, sir, in the rules of war? Or perhaps your children will. Before this war's over, I'm going to kill you. Why wait? I'll come back. Might I request, sir, that you transfer my son here under my command? I'll fire first to start with the officers. We don't know when or where they're going to strike. Where'd you learn all that riding, shooting? My father taught me. How many were there? Maybe one. One man. Sounds more like a ghost than a man. This ghost, bring him to me. 
How many men does Cornwallis have under his command? 12,000 redcoats. I'm here to enlist every man willing. Who's with us? This is not the conduct of a gentleman. I'll take that as a compliment. Of course, I'm kidding. My number one film is The Patriot. It's a very big war epic. Uh, again, same thing with Gladiator and Braveheart. Um, it's not very historically accurate, but if you can tell me a compelling story that deals with real events, I'm on board. Uh, Mel Gibson plays a pacifist named Benjamin, Benjamin Martin who um, doesn't want to get involved with the war with Great Britain because he thinks it's foolhearted. And um, uh, But his son, Gabriel, who's played by Heath Ledger, decides he's going to enlist anyways in the continental army and he lets him go. And then the war comes to his home in South Carolina and he's forced to fight. Well, one of his sons is murdered by the British and then he decides he's going to take matters into his own hand. And it's a really interesting story too, because he actually suffers from PTSD from the French and Indian war. Uh, He is known as a great hero, but he doesn't believe he's a hero. He just killed a bunch of people and he lives with it and he doesn't like it. Um, and that's in the trailer. He says, my, uh, I've long feared that my sins would come back to haunt me. And that's what he's talking about is he's killed yeah. so many people that when his son is killed, that's what he's always feared. And yeah. um, one of my favorite lines in the whole movie is uh, he meets his wife's who passed away uh, sister. And she says, you've done nothing to be ashamed of. And he says, I've done nothing. And for that, I am ashamed. And, so he blames himself for what's happened to his son and he, uh, you know, as, as a father and seeing it, um, you know, he takes his kids, little lead figures and melts them down into, uh, ammunition and he kills all the British soldiers with it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's shot really well by Roland Emmerich and there's not very many American revolution, uh, films. Mel Gibson is, I, is a great actor. I mean, get past his personal and his weirdness and his racism. And he's, he makes cool films. Um, but yeah, it's a film I've always, I've always loved. Um, I cry in it all the time. There's three scenes that I always cry in. There's one where, um, he has a little girl who won't speak after their mom died. Her name's Susan. And so, uh, Benjamin goes and fights the war and about halfway through the movie, he comes back where the little uh, his family's living with um, freed slaves um, on the coast and she still doesn't talk and he's ready to go to war again and he starts walking away and his daughter starts screaming and crying and she says I'll say anything you want me to say just don't go and it's really sad um, but you know it's it's and there's a couple other parts that just break your heart 
and it's really well done. Um, Jason Isaacs as the uh, mean uh, general is amazing. Um, it's a great film. It really is. It's everybody should see it if you like war movies. And there is somebody that agrees with me that maybe will shock people, and we'll find out who does later on. It's a good. It's I'm a good movie. It's James um, mom. I, 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 it. I think it's my. Fa- I think it's my favorite Roland Emmerich movie. No, oh, yeah, it's kind of a weird and narrow field, but I I remember I haven't watched it in a while, but I like Mel Gibson in it, and I oh I like, Heath Ledger's great. Oh, Heath Ledger's amazing. Yep, that's uh, my number one. Henry, what's your number one? And my number one film is arguably one of the most important films uh, that I've ever seen. And my number one film is the Tigger movie. <laughs> Anyone up for a little bouncing? Hiya, buddy bear. Tigger, Tigger. That's T-I-double-G. Uh. <laughs> I've got a mama. Don't you have a family somewhere, too? A family full of Tiggers, you say? Can you imagine it? I didn't know Tigger had a family. It appears that he has lost them. Hello, Tigger family! It's not safe out here. Tigger! We must take care to stick together. <laughs> Hello, I'm Tigger. <laughs> That's a wonderful title. A fun fact, this was the first film I ever saw in theaters. I have a very distinct memory of that. Uh, when I was very young, probably four or so. Walking into the movie theater and uh, I I don't remember much, but I remember that experience and... When I rewatch the film today, it's still a very, it's a very well-made film. I still think uh, if you're into Winnie the Pooh, it's a great film. If you're into Tigger, it's a great film. If you're into Family, it's a great film. It's a very, it's a very good film about who your family is and finding your family and figuring out if those who accept you are your family. And that, it is a big family film. I strongly recommend it. But anyway, that's my number one film, The Tigger Movie. Henry is always the best at shocking me with his picks, whether it's Paddington or Scooby Doo films. <laughs> They always pop up. Well, thanks, Henry. Um, Zach, we already know what your number one is, so we need to talk to you about it. Um, moving along. Wow. Wow. Z- Zach, what's your number one film of 2000? My, my number one of 2000 is the best movie of 2000. It's Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, from two brothers who've never made a bad movie ever. Uh, <laughs> I'd, like to, I'd like to thank James. Intolerable Horst. cruelty. I'd like, to, I'd like to thank James, who's not on the show right now with us, for being restrained enough to keep it at number two and not uh, another number that I won't mention. Um, but, uh, you know, it, this movie has been with my family for years. It will remain in our family for years. It's, it's a wonderfully funny and hilarious film. Um, I, I watching Pete Delmore and Everett's adventures through depression the depression era South is still an amazing fun journey to go through each time. Um, I never get tired of this movie. I always get to find something new that's set within the film. And the Coen brothers' humor always strikes a chord with me, no matter how out there and weird it can get. <clears throat> and I, one, of the, one of the coolest episodes we've gotten to do this year was doing a retro review of it. So then I got to rewatch it again and you know, express more of my love for it on the show. But it's got great music, shot beautifully by Deacons and this kind of like interestingly muted kind of way that like like that certain parts of it kind of just feel like they're not 
like completely realistic like it's meant to kind of look like a depression era painting to an extent um and then all the connections that it makes back to old hollywood especially with sullivan's travels and it's just a fun basket of fun all around it's 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 very obvious if you watch the movie why i would like the movie um so yeah it's it's a wonderful masterpiece and i um i can't recommend re- recommend it enough highly so yeah my number one oh brother where art thou zach i'm really sorry that your list is a subject of constant sorrow for you this year I've seen I've seen troubles all through my list, Ryan. <laughs> Boo! Hey. Boo to both of you. <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to stand for that. Boo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, you managed not to sweep anybody this year. Back burner, just relax. <laughs> oh, humor. Where art thou? <laughs> hey, Zach. You managed not to sweep anybody on this one. I know, but, but I, I was cost, the asshole what, what this cost, time, Brad. At what cost? Yeah, you would have got me with Unbreakable, but. Uh, Ryan beat you to the punch. I literally all f- my four top movies, no one swept for me. I am the asshole this time. To the first time, and then Young Gamora is going, and what did it cost? And I go everything. <laughs> <laughs> so you, yeah, Ryan is the biggest asshole this year because you swept everyone and did not get swept yourself. Yep, I am. Because yeah, I, I swept the- everyone with X Men, but I got. Two of my top three got swept yep. for me. Thanks, I, I, James. I am the Mister Glass of this podcast. I'm the mas- I'm a mastermind. I'm at nine because I'm sure Ryan would have found a way to swipe that one too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if I like Spike Lee. You know what my t- my 2010 film explosion is just going to be all decom movies because nobody's sweeping those <laughs> for me. Um, Corinne, we're at number one. Is this a repeat? Or are we watching something new? No, it's a repeat. Thanks, James. Nice. Um, great job, James. So, my when I was growing up, my stepmom had a cabin out at a lake, like an hour from Wichita. We'd go out there on the weekends a lot of times, and I remember when it would rain, we would watch movies. And one of the movies we watched was Indiana Jones. Um, I can't remember if it was Last Crusade or Raiders. I think it was Last Crusade, but you know, we had a bunch of movies out there. We had Back to the Future and. Um, but one of them that we watched a lot was Remember the Titans, and I fucking love this movie. Um, you know, like I said, I bookended my top ten list, you know, both my number ten and my number one were Disney movies about race relations, but here we are, and I would have put this at number one regardless of everything that's happened this year because I do really love this movie. Um, this is probably my favorite sports movie of all time. I might have to put together a list on that one, but it's definitely up there if it's not number one, but it's, it's kind of like inspirational speech, the movie, just every other scene is like Denzel Washington's character giving inspirational speeches to, um, the team and the friendship that blossoms between Gary Bertier and Julius Campbell. Um, I can't remember the actors' names, but they do a great job. And it's such a pure and genuine friendship. And I love their those actors' chemistry. It's it's and it's so heartbreaking when Gary Bertier gets injured in the car accident and Julius goes to the hospital. And, um, you know, says, you know, like, you're, you're not supposed to be here. You're Superman. Like, you're indestructible. And 
um if you go and you read like the like the true story because this is you know remember the titans is based on a true story um but if you go and you read like what actually happened um it kind of you know it's a little disenchanting from the movie itself but if you just kind of separate it in your mind it's like this is a movie that's based on real people real events um but this isn't exactly what happened obviously they dramatize a lot the championship game at the very end is you know it's this super close thing and they have to do this like cool trick play to win the game and it was not like that at all in real life they blew them out of the water pretty easily well like i said you know with yeah the but Patriot, it, it just as long it as happens it's... yeah it's, it's a it's a great movie it's not necessarily historically accurate but it's a great movie um Denzel Washington is absolutely phenomenal in the movie. Everyone is. Um, this is just... its I think it's overlooked as far as like the Disney live-action movies go. And it's a, just a great sports movie. It's a great movie about human relationships and human condition and how broken everyone is deep down and how we ultimately need to come together despite our differences. And... It's very compelling, especially in this atmosphere, right, that we're living in right now. Yeah. yeah. I, I struggled with this one on my list because I, I do have fond memories of it, but I don't – I haven't rewatched it in a while. And it's kind of, like, similar to, like, you know, like it, – it, it, I think it – I think even in spite of what's been happening over the last couple months of this year and in the last four years in general, I don't think this movie suffers too much from – the issues that we are discussing currently, because I, I think there is still enough of an inspiration point where I, I feel about it the way I feel about Black Klansman of sorts, where like even though there are certain dramatizations of things, the impact is still there. Um, and in this particular case, with Remember the Titans, it's still it's still sending through this message and shows the up. It shows the downs as well as the ups. Like it doesn't shirk away from the downs, despite being a Disney movie, which I find intensely fascinating. Yeah, and I know we've kind of talked a little bit about, like, white savior complexes in movies and how, you know, that is, like, The Help, for instance, is um, kind of a white savior movie. But I think this does not fall into that trap because, you know, the black characters and the white characters both get called out on their bullshit equally. Um, There's a great moment with Gary Bertier and Julius Campbell where, you know, Gary's berating Julius. He's like, what are you doing? Like, you're leaving your teammates out to dry and then... Uh, Julius turns around and he's like, well, you're not any better than me. Like, you're the one who's failing to lead this team and you're the captain. You're supposed to be, you know, looking out for everyone on your team, not just your white teammates. And it's, and there's another great moment too, where it almost like subverts the kind of white savior trope where the guys are trying to go out to eat at a, at a restaurant and it's like the white and black players and they're going together and they walk in the front door and the restaurant proprietor says like you know you can eat but your friends gonna are gonna have to go around back and the black characters get like really embarrassed and really upset about it and the white character feels like ashamed that he even thought that oh like just me being here would make a difference somehow and it's it's yeah you actually see like there's three different friendships between the white and black characters and i think the one between julius and gary has done the best but you see the connection forming between the two coaches uh one of whom is played by denzel washington and then their two daughters as well um it's not touched on as much but that's definitely still there you see they're kind of 
they're unwilling to be friends and then by the end they kind of bond over just the fact that you know their dads are both coaching the same team but they're not really friends but they'll 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 tolerate each other sort of thing so it's you get like these like the spectrum of friendship between um, people of different backgrounds and I think Denzel Washington still sells that movie every damn time you watch it. So, yeah, like we were saying, he's really charismatic, and the fact that he gets to say these awesome speeches like every other scene, him and the other coach who I can't remember the actor's name, but um, Patton, yeah, uh, they. Oh my gosh, that one at the semifinals where he's like, "I don't want them to gain another yard." You blitz all night. Oh my gosh, that's. Like, one of my favorite scenes in all movies history, so. Remember the Titans, my number one. Sweet. James, your number one film is? Uh, So, my number one film of 2000, like I said, a lot of great movies this year. Um, So, I had to pick the movie, you know, usually my top ten list is very much built on what are the movies that I carry with me. What are the movies that tell a story that teach me something that actually affects my day-to-day life or the way that I, you know, experience roadblocks in my life and how I overcome those, like the lessons that have actually shaped who I am as a person and how I approach my life. Those tend to be the movies that get the most weight and, and Castaway is definitely one of those. Oh, James, I'm sorry I swept you, but tell me why Castaway is your number one film of the year. Uh, I think this is, we were joking in text messages weeks ago when we were talking about, um, I think it was just because of the 2000, um, the the fact that this was a year that Robert Zemeckis made two films uh, and maybe the last time he was great. Um, uh, constantly hoping that Robert Zemeckis will be back on top like this, but Castaway is, man, certainly my favorite of his dramas. Like I think Castaway is a, is a better film than like a Forrest Gump. Um, you know, uh, hard pressed between that and contact, you know, and then we don't have to talk about back to the future, uh, or, or, um, who from Roger rabbit. Uh, I just think that the, the story here is amazing. Very similar to, um, to high fidelity, right? This is a movie about a guy learning a lesson about how, you know, the, the world, especially the modern world is very fast. And, you know, he's working for FedEx in 2000, which is, you know, this growing booming company, and everything is about speed and uh, and taking the most advantage of your time. And yet, for him, that means working constantly. And that means always being consumed with what you do, which I will tell you, I relate to very well. Um, and yet, what he's working for, he's missing. Um, and so he gets on this plane, the plane crashes, and he spends... Uh, years on an island uh, trapped and has to learn to survive. Um, and then he comes back and it's the coming back. It's, it's coming back and, and reuniting with his wife. That is the reason why this movie just kills me. Um, if I'm hard pressed to watch Castaway and not openly like almost weep, <laughs> um, especially when he gives his final speech about having ice in his glass um because what part of what's great about the movie is that if you'd said hey we're going to make a movie about being lost on an island the end of the movie is he gets off the island and that's not this movie um 
the the being on the island is to earn the right to get to the part at the end where he's off the island um it's to it's to get to the drama of the moments where he's in their house he's in he's in kelly's house at the end and seeing all the research she did and then she gets in the car with him like oh my gosh like those scenes are they are tough to watch they're a struggle they're also sexy as hell like straight up like oh my god like you 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 feel the the passion and love there in a way that you so rarely actually get in a movie um but but this like need where they're like no we had something stolen from us and we could have it back but not in this world unfortunately um it's it's just incredible it's it's one of tom hanks's best performances period uh i i just can't love the movie enough um and uh and here's the other thing very similar to forrest gump you know the movie gets remembered and made fun of because of wilson right everybody's oh you know talking volleyball uh yeah and the the thing is you're gonna cry when wilson drowns like go back and watch that movie it is so well done that you 1000 percent care you care about that ball because tom hanks cares about that ball uh it's unbelievable it, it, a, a master class of a film so my number one is uh is castaway Cool. Thanks, guys. I, uh, I again, I'm sorry I wasn't there. I just wanted to run through a couple of other little films because, like I, like I said, I did this whole thing where I, I did a lot of ringers and whatever. So I just want to say other films from this year that were like notable mentions uh, that I think are worth bringing up. I really wanted to put uh, Chocolat, uh, State in Maine, um, What Lies Beneath, Finding Forrester, um, Chicken Run. I think is also really fantastic um uh, i i actually think that pitch black is a great science fiction horror film and totally worth uh watching um the whole nine yards i haven't seen it in a while but but was a favorite of mine at the time um i think that space cowboys he's better than its pitch uh because it seems silly but is actually a fun film um and you know i'm a sucker for space stuff so um yeah just uh, overall an, an unbelievably great year um and really uh, we should all be ashamed that boiler room did not make our lists so uh yeah thanks everybody really appreciate it bye freaking ryan sweeping everyone well you know technically i could say it's brad's fault because he puts the list together so I, I i my first impulse is to put like tag team reviews together and we were it was you and me and then me and james mm-hmm. for frequency so that was it. Yep. I was... Um, we need more tag teams, You, you know, guys. the thing is, is if you're the hero, sometimes you live long enough to be the villain. So you got to be careful. I mean, you had, a, you had a run there of like, I think, three or four straight film explosions where your number one was like knocked off. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. So yeah. It happens. Yeah. Like I said, I, as long as someone has my film on there. Well, I mean, if there's no a Spider-Man film. I know. <laughs> that, that's okay. Cause, um, so I'm going to dig into some mail. Um, of course... The lovely Carol Hart sent us stuff. Um, She says, hey, real nerds. Hope this finds you well. I must confess that I'm a little behind on listening because I'm not spending as much time in my car these days like everybody. Um, I hope I haven't missed any big announcements. Nope. We're just watching old movies, Carol. 
Um, this is the most difficult list yet. There are times when it feels like comparing apples and shoes. <laughs> I keep saying that I'm going to start working on the next film explosion list early, so I don't find myself doing it at the last minute. Well, this time I started looking at the list of movies from 2000, the day after I sent the one in for 1990. Thought I had a pretty good idea of how this was going to go. Then a couple weeks ago, after you put it on the schedule, James mentioned that this was a big year with lots of fun memories. He named a few movies that we love that were not on the list I had. Nothing like starting over. <laughs> and here I am once again setting this at the last minute anyway. She sent it to me at 11 o'clock last night. <laughs> um, Rich and I have, in, have been enjoying rewatching a bunch of these to refresh our memories. Number 10, Chocolat. First, I'm a chocolate lover. So watching all the chocolate flow is a great start. Then there's a wonderful story about legalism, judgment, and pride can do so much damage to ourselves and everyone around us. 100% correct. Uh, number nine, The Dish. Of course, this movie had to be on my list some, somewhere on this list. It's based on a true story on the satellite dish in Australia that carried the video of the first steps of Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin on the moon. I love the quirky characters. I've never seen this movie, so now I have I've to. I've never even heard of it. Uh, number eight, Remember the Titans. Another <laughs> movie based on a true story, and it's a great story of people learning from one another and realizing how much we lose when we live in fear and ignorance is an eye-opening for me because the year this happened in Virginia was the year I graduated from high school in Ohio. I was very unaware that segregation was still happening. Well, that was kind of part of the movie that they embellished a little bit. It wasn't so much that they were combining black and white schools. It was more like they were combining just three schools in the area. And so that's why everybody was, like, desperate to be on the team. Anyway, sorry to burst your bubble a little bit. Um, number seven is Space Cowboys. Nothing like an old guy movie, especially these <laughs> old guys. And then let's put them in space to make it extra special. And then let's add an sync song. Yeah. Uh, number six is Shanghai Noon. So much fun. Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson are great together. This is a family favorite. Quote, no, you should. You said wet shirt don't break, not pissed shirt bend bars. True. <laughs> Number five is High Fidelity. Uh, great story told in a clever way about a guy trying to figure out who he is, what he wants to do with his life, and who he wants to be with. Number four is Castaway, where my number four was. Had we ever seen anything like this before? No! Tom Hanks makes it work. I have a little trouble, I have a little trouble with the timeline at the end, but I just have to let that go. And there's another movie I have a problem with hair. Here's another movie I have a problem with hair. What the heck are they thinking putting that terrible wig on Helen Hunt at the end? <laughs> um, number three is uh, Frequency. I really enjoy time travel. I just have to stop myself from looking into too closely so I don't get distracted by the paradox issues. Everything with time travel. Agreed. I love the story of this father and son. They make mistakes and then work together to try to make the things right again but they also must deal with the consequences of their actions. Uh, number two is, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I'm sure James has already said a lot about this one. Hard to believe he was 13 when we first saw this. We hadn't seen this in a long time. Watched it a few nights ago, and I was reminded why James loves it so much. I laugh so hard, and the music is great. So many crazy characters. George Clooney is outstanding. Number one, and why Carol is right, is The Patriot. When it comes to horror movies, Ryan and I are world apart, but we agree 100% on this one. My favorite books are historical novels, and that's what this is. And since Ryan, the history guy, loves it, 
The history must be pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love this movie. The story is packed with wonderful message about life, love, honor, fear, anger, regret. Mel Gibson is amazing. Agreed. I could go on and on and talk about favorite scenes, but I'll stop here and just say ditto to everything Ryan has already said. There are so many movies that didn't make it on this top 10 list, but deserve honorable mention. Gladiator, Mission Impossible 2, The Legend of Bagger Vance, Finding Forrester, Saving Grace, Best in Show, Aaron Brockovich, X-Men, and others. Well, I guess this has been fun. The real fun will be listening to this episode. Can't wait until I run into you at the Alamo. Hugs and love you all. Carol, James's mom. Aww. Great Thanks, list, Carol. Carol. Uh, I got one from James's brother, uh, Jake. Um, hi, guys. It's Jake Hart again. Here's my 2000 list. 2000 was a huge year, wasn't it? If I hadn't just looked it up, I never would have thought all these came out in the same year. Number 10, The Patriot. I mean, it's just a revenge movie painted in patriotism, but it's epic, though. Remember when Mel Gibson was a movie star? Number 9, What Lies Beneath. I bet nobody else put this on their list, but it has stuck in my memory for for this whole time for one reason. Harrison Ford was really the bad guy. Spoilers. (laughs) Spoilers. <laughs> oh, thanks. I've never seen it. Uh, Carol, rain in your sun. <laughs> yeah. um, you don't. You don't want me spoiling things. Why don't you? Uh, <laughs> um, and I didn't figure that out until two thirds, maybe three quarters of the way through the movie. Number eight, Castaway. Tom Hanks cries when his broken volleyball dies, and you understand. <laughs> okay, Wilson was not broken. He just like drifted off the raft. <laughs> Uh, he was kind of flat. And maybe emotionally he was broken. Yes, that's true. Maybe Wilson was needing to separate from Tom Hanks. Get some space. It's like, get me away from this fucking guy. <laughs> uh, number seven, Shanghai Noon. Good, good old-fashioned Jackie Chan fun. Sure, it's basically Rush Hour or the Western, but ain't nothing wrong with that. Number six, Pitch Black. Vin Diesel made a good movie once. Exactly once. Yeah, and it's called Iron Giant. And don't remind me of the sequels, or I will have to pull, put it lower. Uh, number five, X-Men. Before the MCU, this was the best superhero movie. Number four, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I'm a Dapper Dan, man. Number three, Unbreakable. This was really cool, and I loved how it explored how being a superhero or supervillain would work out in any in the real world. That M. Night Shyamalan guy is going places, I tell ya. <laughs> Number two, Memento. There's never been a more a movie like this before or since, except maybe some obscure French movie Henry knows about. <laughs> but even if they stole that idea from somewhere, I don't remember I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, I remember like working at the video game store and then like one day just a bunch of people came in asking if we had the Memento D V D. And I didn't know anything about Memento, and then um, then I, I learned stuff because yeah. I, I found that DVD. Yeah, it's it's a good movie. It's good. It's I don't know. Is yeah, that Christopher well Nolan's made. first one? No, second, second. Um, it, it's well made. Yeah, it's generally considered. Following is generally considered his, even though it's kind of a student film. Yeah. Um, but I think Memento is his first art house film. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the one that kind of gets in the car. Did Memento that did insomnia? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and number one, The Emperor's New Groove, at the top Ooh. because this is one of my friends. This is the one my friends and I still watch every chance we get. 
Kronk is the best henchman ever. <laughs> I would agree with that. Uh, yeah. So that's all the mail I got. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, um, we got people um, liking the movies I was posted, but not very many people sent us lists. Um, I, I think when I look back at 2000, uh, there's a lot of good movies, but I was like, man, is there really a great movie? I, I had a uh, hard time with they're all really good. And uh, I mean, I knew number one would be Patriot for me because I, I adore that film. But the rest of them, I go, oh, you know, these are all really good. And it basically is just whittling it down to. Again, sometimes I do it by how many times I watch a movie and then that's how I put it in my list. Yeah, if, like I said, if it had been, if this had actually been the year two thousand, like it would have been, I would have had like a more separated like yeah. this is great, this is great, and then these are, but yeah, twenty years later, like I told you, I haven't even replaced a lot of these on DVD. Mm-hmm. Like that's how, yeah. I think I just kind of got used to them yeah. being stuff I liked, and then yeah, agreed. I think so many of these movies were on cable a lot, so True. I, I mean, I think that's how I primarily watched them. So. You know, it's like, yeah, they're enjoyable movies, but it's like, am I really invested in them? Because it's like, it's on cable, you know, that kind of thing. I think Brad was saying earlier, like, there were a lot of, like, mid-tier movies that came out this year. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for listening to Film Explosion 2000. I'll put it out. Film Explosion 2010 is probably October-ish. Yeah. Um, We'll have to see because I'm banking on two weeks movie theaters opening, and October is supposed to be packed with movies. So I'm gonna we're gonna have to play it. It's gonna have to flow. Well, I think we have to because, uh, you know, give us a break for September, mm-hmm. do it in October, then a break in November, and then we have the yeah. explosion we'll twenty twenty. We'll have to figure it out. I'll have to because isn't Wonder Woman in October? So I think it's the end of October, maybe the beginning. Yeah. Well, no, maybe it's November second. No, that's Black Widow. I don't know. Movies changing constantly, so um, we might just have to double up. Yep. Maybe we'll do something, uh, double up some films one week, and then we'll do a film explosion. So October should be 2010. So start compiling your lists, and you know you can send them. To, I already have. Uh, you can send them to Brad early, like I did, and then he'll wait till last minute to make it anyways. Yep. Because um, that's how Brad rolls and does his best work. I try not to, but it doesn't happen <laughs> that way. Um, Brad, you're choosing our film next week. Ooh, yeah. Um, so we don't know what we're gonna do, but it might be our last retro film. No. Yeah. No, yes. I want to go back to theaters so bad. (laughs) We're doing this cute thing with my little buddy, uh, Kellen. So every night we do movie night, and he picks the movie, so that's why it was Chipmunks a couple nights ago. But to help him for getting ready for school again is he has to write his order like it's Alamo. So he writes, like, treats, and then we bring him, we have a treat bucket, or he writes popcorn, and we make him popcorn. And then he tips us, like, really well. His bill the other night was twenty one bucks. He gave me a two hundred dollar tip. Wow. Yep. Dang. I'm yeah. gonna have to get some money from Kellen. Well, he knows his dad worked in the service industry for <laughs> yeah. years, so. so he knows how uh, difficult it is. Yeah. Um but thanks for listening, everybody. Um, yeah. Zach, have uh thanks for hanging on. I know you gotta go to work. No, um, no worries, guys. Happy to be on board. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week with Brad's pick that probably I'll have to buy off Amazon because he's like, oh, you can stream it. And you can't, just like Zach. Um, um, Any yeah, word I yet did... on what it's going to be? Brad did uh, that first. So. Yeah, well, the only way I found it is because Corinne pointed me to Vimeo and is like, oh, there, I can watch it there. I just got my information from Letterboxd. Take it up with them. Yeah, Letterboxd is lying. See, I picked something you could watch with commercials on Tubi. <laughs> 
I never even heard of Tubi until you. I had no idea what it was. Um, but yeah. Um, so stay tuned for that. It should be fun. Thanks for listening. See you at the movies. Bye. 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 Here we go again. It's our film explosion. A movie countdown of real devotion. It could get long, so bring your ibuprofen. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. What's got the best acting? What's got the best direction? The cream of the crop. Here's our selection. From comedy to drama, even exploitation. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion! Film explosion! The Real Nerds Film Explosion theme song was written and performed by Bolonium. Check out Bolonium on iTunes or buy their new record, Snacktacular, from Needle Juice Records. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.